DNY, episode 64. Welcome. I'm your host, Owen Shannon. Joining me is the DM, Peter Gorski. How are you? Hey, hi, hello, everyone. And on the other microphone, what the fuck am I going to call him today? Um, wow. The gatekeeper Gorski, Mark Gorski. How are you? I'm feeling very generous today. I'm, well, the gates are open right now. I'm letting people in. What are you letting them you want, into? Yeah, you want to go into that? I'm letting them into Jeff Keeley's Summer Games Fest, which will be tomorrow. Well, Mark, and I've actually been camping outside for a week now, ever since we stopped recording last week, because it's all I can think about, and I'm just so happy to be here. Well, he's going to deliver. He might have said, please temper your expectations, but Peter, I want you to keep dreaming. Go big. I don't have any dreams for this necessarily because I don't exactly know what to expect. All I know is Jeff Keeley can do no wrong for me. Our industry is better without him. I mean, with him. You know, I didn't mean that. I had a whole other spiel plan, but now I've just pissed all over myself. I'm going to sit down. I, I do genuinely want a summer games feast. That's what I want. I don't think you do. I think you want to hate this. I, I honestly believe that you want this to be bad. Just so you can say, you guys have been telling you about Jeff Keighley. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's too focused on commercials and celebrities. And I'll just be like, I thought it was this one cool moment when we went to Kenya and he interviewed an upcoming game developer. Yeah, and you're no, like, okay, I don't no, that, care. That doesn't happen. And... Oh, no, go back no, to the game. I, I have multiple people from multiple different countries. I have the advantage here because if we get a good presentation, that's great. I'll, I'll be have like, see, watched, he's listening to me. I'll, I'll have watched a good games presentation. I'm down to do that. But if it's bad, I've made it part of my brand to hate on Jeff Keighley, so I can just continue doing that. It's a win win. Yeah, you would say, oh, the part where he went to Barbados and interviewed this uh, teenage game development team. That's the moment that lost you. Because you'd rather he focused on small developers than, you know, small developers. Well, also, I mean, that's not what Summer Games Fest is for. If he wants to do that the Game of War, ugh, Game Awards, feel free. Summer Games but Fest, we you've got to maximize okay. your time with some announcements. It's going to be a two-hour show. And... Oof, oof. That scares me. Two hours. That's a feast. Jeff Keighley. It, it could be a feast. I think the ideal game, like, conference length is an hour and a half for me. That's the longest that these big only once a year shows should be. Any longer, and it's like, you better. I, me away. I agree. And even an hour and a half, basically nobody can, like, fill that out with strong stuff. Um... Have we recorded since the state of play? No. No, no, we haven't. Well, let's do a quick reaction on that. Um, now, I know I know you guys were calling into question what is classified as like a big PlayStation presentation. I still don't think that's it, but objectively, the best state of play that's ever happened. It's not even a question. I can't, even, I can't think of another one that comes close. I think that was Mark and I watched it together and we both just kept saying after announcement, like, I can't believe they have this for a state of play. I can't believe they're going this hard for a presentation that's normally like, 
And here's this little indie game. You get to play up to four players as these bakers and you make cakes. Coming to PS to PlayStation Plus today. And it's just that for 20 minutes. But this was like, no offense, by the way, no offense to small four-player indie baking games. I just don't know why. I don't know why that's only what state of plays are. But not like Overcooked, Peter? I'm going to cut you off. You have some beef with Overcooked? No, it's a stressful game. No, I I feel like you like watching Overcooked be played. See, yes, that's what I want to say. I don't like playing it because it's sweaty, but I love watching my friends play it. Because it's sweaty, if you understand what I mean. You like watching your friends sweat, I understand. <laughs> so anyway, this state of play I thought was actually really good. Now I've had yeah, you know, I've seen some people on Twitter, you know, some Xbox fans saying, I don't get why PlayStation fans are loving this when most of these games are gonna be cross platform anyway. So it's not like it's a PlayStation exclusive conference. And I uh, today I say that's fair. Because a lot of times whenever I watched an Xbox conference and they mostly focus on third parties, I usually think to myself, why should I get excited for this when I could just play this on the PlayStation or some other platform? But when PlayStation does it for state of play, you're like, oh my god, and you throw the roses, you pop the bottles. Indulge me. Am I being stupid or is this a valid No, actually... It is valid, because my instinct says, like, well, I mean, you get a chance to show off Resident Evil 4 Remake, you gotta fucking do it, and you should you should get a pop pop. for that. Like, people should be excited to see that in your conference, and even though I'm not the biggest Resident Evil guy, like, that came up, I was like, oh, shit, like, this is huge. Especially, I mean, it's a remake of one of the, like, best games of all time. Allegedly. Well, main artist. Um, oh yeah, D- didn't we do that like by default? I I believe Mark's exact quote was like, "He has to believe people on this." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We Resident Evil Four is like none of us have ever played this game, but we would look like frauds if it wasn't on the list. Quick Resident Evil aside. Oh. I think I kind of want to play through these games. I don't really want to play through one because that seems way too dated. But I want, I've want i wanted to play two remake for a long time. This is an idea I came up with just the other day. Oh, take credit for it, please. No, no. He had the Callisto Protocol, Dead Space 1, and RE4 remake all coming out within months of each other. What if we each played one of them? Um, like, uh, oh, can we call Omar? dibs right now? Well, no, we're not going to do dibs if we all actually wanted to do this. Because otherwise, I don't think we'd actually play any of these games. But if we each, like, oh, Mark does Callisto Protocol, Owen does RE4, I do Dead Space 1 Remake. Or it doesn't have to be that order, just just a little idea. If we don't do it, that's fine. I I don't know. I don't know about the idea for the show, per se. Although, I mean, I'm sure we could probably figure something out with it. I'm just getting... I'm getting tempted by the like survival horror genre, and I'm not a big horror fan. But these games I, have become so prevalent lately that I feel like I'm missing out on something. I would like to do, if it review as well, Dead Space 1 remake for Game Club. Because an idea I like for Game Club is having games of all different genres. It doesn't only have to be that, but I like the idea of just getting games that are so aggressively different from the one we just played before. It makes the list more unique. 
to me because it's always I, a game club is usually we would not have played these games if we did not have the game club. And I know I would never play Dead Space off my own accord. I I don't know if I'll specifically lock in like Dead Space, but definitely one of these games I yes. would be down to do it for. Um, Street Fighter Six looks so fucking good. It looks really fucking that. good. I really love that cool. trailer so much. I like that Street Fighter actually looks like Street Fighter. I thought Again, I don't play Street Fighter, but I like watching. Again, I just really like watching fighting games. And Street Fighter Five always looks so sterile and boring. And the community wasn't really into it, but this game looks like it will really revitalize the series for a lot of people. And it's coming to Xbox, which surprised the hell out of me. I really thought PlayStation was going to put down money for exclusivity rights, but I'm glad they didn't. Um, I think that also has to do with the fact that like Capcom like needed that money. Back when five came yeah, out, they were, in a, yeah, they were in a bad place. Um, which also, uh, like, shout out the turnaround of Capcom. I mean, we thought they Let's were see, dead in yep. the water like six years ago. They are making like RE two rem like the original Resident Evil remakes as well as, well as Resident Evil seven and eight. Uh, Devil May Cry is back and with Devil May Cry five, and it, the franchise has never been selling better under a better light. Uh, Monster Hunter continues to just be a financial behemoth, making them all the money in the world. Uh, Street Fighter seems to finally be back in its former glory, and people are going to love that game. Uh, Capcom is knocking it out of the goddamn park. Where and I can't, is like you, go ahead, Mark. Marvel versus Capcom. Where's oh, that at? That's the, last, yeah, that's the last one that really needs to come back. I mean, they've also brought back Mega Man uh, with Mega Man 11. Uh, they what they could do more Mega Man. They could do more, but there's again, it's the fact that they have at least made a new Mega Man game in the last couple of years shows that they they want to make more Mega Man games, and they're actually showing love to that IP again. I think it uh, also Dead Rising seems to be dead for good, so that's another props to Capcom I, making the right. Yeah, decision. I think Dead Rising is very much a like of a time thing, and we yeah. don't need it anymore. We don't need it ever again. I can't even think of any other. Again, Marvel versus Capcom is the last one where once that is back and better than ever, I think Capcom is just okay. The best ever. So I know that this is a hipstery take. Um, I have no issue with the art style of Street Fighter Six. In fact, I think it looks very good. But there are a lot of like old schoolers that want the the two D sprites back. I think. If they do a Marvel versus Capcom four, I believe it would be. Um, I actually think they should do the two D mainly to compete in that space with Arc System Works because the amount of times I have considered buying Guilty Gear Strive just because that game is so beautiful. Oh my yep. god, that game looks so Absolutely good. Beautiful. I, I'm i horrible at fighting games, and I look at that all the time and think, like, I need to play this game. Like, I need to play it one day. I Marvel 2 and Marvel 3 both look incredible for completely different reasons. Again, Marvel 2 is, like, fantastic 2D. There's a specific name to that art style that I can't exactly think of right now. Mark, do you do you know? Could you help me out with it? 
Uh, I, I got nothing really. It's it's a pixel art looking. Game okay, pixel art. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Has a very like pixel art type style, but then Marvel Three characters literally look like they were ripped from a comic book. I know people always say that whenever they're talking about like movies or shows, like it's straight out of a comic. But literally, the way the characters are designed is of a comic book aesthetic, and I just think. I could honestly, I could flip a coin if for a theoretical Marvel. Don't look like Marvel Infinite. Don't look like Marvel Infinite. The game looks disgusting. The character models are ugly. The work, like the stages, look bad. Everything about Infinite. People always like Maximilian Dude is huge on the gameplay aspect of Marvel Infinite and how well they did on that front. But goddamn, if they were to make a Marvel four, I'm fine with if they did if they did two or three. Art Fun fact: I played a lot of Marvel versus Capcom three. I loved that game. Mark played it and he did not like it because we were children and we didn't know what we were doing. I didn't I really know what I was doing, but I like the cool factor of it carried it for me. Um, and now that I'm like a big fan of Marvel, I would like a new Marvel versus Capcom because I could honestly see myself getting into it, not for long term, but for a bit and then watching it long term. Um, yeah, I, I have this itch now. All because of hype for both survival horror and now fighting games. But why why is it why is it that we can't just like commit as a group of friends of like, okay, we're all just gonna get this fighting game and we're just gonna face each other in it all the time. If we the just did that, we it had would be was, great. the closest we've had is Smash and I, I think it's I think it's over now. Maybe I, I think we'll still play Smash like every now and again, but I think that's the best you're going to get. If you ever wanted that kind of life, you're only getting it for Smash. You are not getting it from a typical fight. Here, here is the only thing that could help us here is that other fighting games actually have like functional onlines, whereas Smash does not. Even then, I don't think you're convincing anyone uh, that we know. I just don't think. I don't think you are. I'm not trying to be negative on you. I would love that, too, because, again, we've had we had a Street Fighter 4 craze. We had a Killer Instinct craze, and I very much enjoyed them. We They were really fun. I don't know if I had a Killer Instinct craze. I don't remember oh, that. Well, a few of us did. Not as long as Street Fighter, but a few of us did have a Killer Instinct one, and it was it was quite enjoyable. Um, I don't know. Friends, if you're listening, please. What'd you guys think of Eternites? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. I pulled my phone out when that came came up. Let me tell you that right now. I thought for a second, it's like, oh god, there's a date system in the corner. There's no way this is some kind of persona spin-off. And it wasn't, so I was happy about that. That's my one takeaway from it. I can confirm he was saying that as the game was on screen. So, wait, Mark, you did you not like the look of it? I'm, I mean, not particularly. I didn't think it looked bad. It just didn't look like it stood out enough in like an anime scene for me to want to play it. And the fact that it's like this one main guy and he's surrounded by a bunch of girls and it's probably going to be romancing, I feel like I understand that game and I don't need to play it. I just don't. Fair enough. What was that... What was that one game, that artsy-looking indie game that was shown off? Season. A season? Okay, that, there's a conversation to have about season here. But, Peter, I want you to I, it off. I know. I feel like I've... I don't even... I say this, I think, too much at this point. I feel like I've kind of run this into the ground. 
And every time I start telling myself, I'm going to stop making comments about, oh, this is made for Mark. Oh, this is such Mark material. The world ends up giving me even stronger content that gives off that vibe. And seasons, as I was watching it, I looked over to Mark and Mark looked so gripped by it. And I was just like, oh, this is the portion for you. This is when the show stops for everyone that isn't into this kind of game. And, of course, Mark said that that was his game of the show. It was really pretty. At this point, it's just it's almost comical how it really is that easy. To for someone to grab Mark, it's like here's the color purple, and this kid need doesn't like his mom. Mark's like game of the year. I'll pay eighty dollars. They got cows in the trailer. Mark your your I, rebuttal here. Let's hear it. I think I mean I face value. I think it's just a pretty looking game, and I don't know how kind of free motion you have. It seems like you're walking around a lot. You're riding around this bike, and I trust the story is going to be deep to some level. Uh, and it's just a couple of different mechanics in there that I feel like, oh, this is just going to be like walking around and see the story. I feel like there's going to be some neat little puzzles tucked into a cool, uh, cool uh, looking game with a pretty story. And just based on that, like, I just trust it. It's one of those games that unless it bombs and reviews, I would happily blindly walk into this kind of experience. I watched this trailer. And, you know, I can be in on the artsy games. But I really thought that this trailer was, it made it seem like the most pretentious game ever made ever. Um, just, it has an uphill battle for me because of that. Like it, this game could come out and be really great and get great review scores. And then I'll play it and I'll probably enjoy it because again, I like pretentious things now and then, uh, but they need to be good. I I can't just like pretentious for pretentious sake. Um, it needs to actually earn its pretension, if that makes any sense. Now I don't I don't know what season would actually have to do in order to like cross that threshold of earning it, but you can't give me. I mean, the art style was kind of interesting, but mix it up with like this student with their circular glasses, riding bikes around, taking pictures in this beautiful landscape. I I bet we're going to learn a ton about nature through this game somehow. Is it a bad thing? No, no. If they're claiming they want this game to be meaningful clearly they're wearing it on their sleeves that they want it to be meaningful so the only way they can satisfy is if it is meaningful just because you're in colorful landscapes that doesn't naturally make it a meaningful game so uphill battle because it has has a lot to prove in my book if you're going to try and like act like you're in that territory you got to come through on it otherwise all you're going to have is a pretentious game and you don't you don't want a pretentious game and i'm i don't throw that word around lightly like i mean peter's willing to call anything pretentious you call everything pretentious too not everything out of here 
Oh. You call like 90% of the things I like pretentious. Well, when the boot fits, Owen. No, no, no. Is Xenoblade 2 pretentious, Peter? Xenoblade 2 isn't good enough to be pretentious. Okay. Whatever. Anything else from the state of play? Stray was cool, too. I'm going to play that when that comes out. I stand by Owen, I think. Well, actually, both of you. Both of you will deeply regret dropping that game. Who has it? Does someone have it in the draft? I bid for it, and James outbid me. Really? Damn, okay. I thought it looked really boring. I think it is going to bite you in the ass. It might. That game is going... It might, but I I did think it looked really boring. I thought it actually looked kind of enticing. I I sort of if it's a shorter game, if it's like a six hour game, I will definitely be playing it. If it's thirteen or fourteen, I can't do that game for that long. I believe the report is about eight right now, so it's right in the middle. Um, I just don't like that. Uh, you're talking to robots the whole time. I like that. It's so different to me, like you know, aesthetically. I you like Wally. Owen? I like Wally, but that's the exception. Um, the exception. Yes, because one, I mean, I I remember. I think it was the Amazing Spider-Man game. The first one was like a solid game, but halfway through, they introduce. <laughs> it might actually be from the beginning. Your main enemy is like big evil robots immediately out i don't i don't like fighting robots and when it comes to interacting with them as like the only friends in this world they're just computers like uh, i i need a human element in order to be attached for the the robots don't do it for me i can't exactly explain why but they just don't on that note detroit become human Game club game. No. 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 Peter's watched oh, through it. I would do it. I would. And that that's a that's a different that's a different case. Humanoid robots I can I can deal with, but guys, they have the black robot quote Martin Luther King multiple times throughout the game, and this game is written by snobby white people. It is tone deaf to fuck. I hate this game. I I hate it. I hate this game so much. I think it's the best game David Cage has probably made. And even then, that's not saying anything. There are three different storylines in Detroit Become Human. One, two storylines feature one main character, and another storyline features two main characters. The storyline that features the duo is the most beloved one by far, and both actors have come out and said that most parts of the story that involves those two that fans like the actors had to fight for with improv because every time they ever went off script, David Cage would freak his shit and he would just get mad at them and he would yell with them. I don't, I I get, I know I've said a lot. I just don't get why David Cage gets to make more games. I don't understand it. Everyone who ever talks about him is like, oh yeah, all of my interactions with him were completely awful. He was an asshole to me and I never enjoy him. I can look forward to playing his next game. I uh, I think we've said it on the pod before, and I think Mark agrees with me on this. I only want to play Detroit just so I can have an opinion on it. That's the only reason. Like, 
literally and, again, I it's know like some people the, who like the game too. So like I'd be all curious. of the robots. It's just don't spoil it. Don't uh, don't sway our opinion. Me and me and Mark are can, gonna play. Can our I own just game say club. one tiny detail? One tiny detail. One guess tiny where, detail. Guess predict where they sit on buses. Can you predict that for me? Subtlety. No. <laughs> no. These people have the subtlety of a boulder falling off a mountain. That's <laughs> there are several things in this game where it's just like they think they're so fucking smart. They think they're such geniuses with this writing, and it's just what if we had this group of people that were persecuted against because of how they were brought to the world? Holy shit, David! I've never seen or thought of that. What else do you have? Games can be art. We figured it out. <laughs> He's done it. <laughs> Peter, we should play. I already played Beyond Two Souls, actually. No. Mark, I predicted the big twist in that game, and I didn't even watch that game. Beyond Two Souls doesn't even seem like it's bad in a fun way. That game just seems bad. I will. There's this picture of David Cage in an interview with Willem Dafoe and, at the time, Ellen Page. And they both. David Cage has a big smile on his face, and the other two look like they've had the fucking life sucked out of them. They're just like looking at the ground. They're just like, man, they are not smiling. They're not happy to be here. And David Cage, like, well, really, uh, the brilliance of this current game that I wrote uh, is really what I, what I was going into here with the other two. Like, yep, I'm uh, excited to be a part of this. Uh, you know, cool. Video games are art. You know, awesome. <sighs> Literally, no, I'm not going to go into that. I've, I'm pretty sure I've gone into that before, and if not, I've said enough about David Cage. There's nothing more I need to say. Everyone knows about him. All right. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to veto that decision. Detroit become human. It is It is 12 hours long. Ugh, longer than I want it to be. Uh, Maybe one day. Free on the PS Plus collection. Have fun with that. Um, All right. I haven't done housekeeping yet. Uh, every Monday, these episodes come out typically in the morning. This episode will probably come out later for reasons I'll get to in a moment. Um, please rate and review us on podcast services. If you're new to the show, take a look at our backlog. We have plenty of episodes here. We have 63 other episodes you could listen to, and I think they're worth it. They're not too based in news. So please consider doing that our game club game currently is control which we won't talk about at all today but i know we've all been playing it some are further than others i imagine we could probably get that done in maybe two weeks i don't want to commit to it but it's possible um one thing if any of our viewers leave a five-star review and you write a review along with it. We will read it live on this podcast. I would like to do that. Um, I think I think the only service that lets you do that is Apple, at least that I know It of. is Apple. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, could you please leave a five-star review, and we will read it on air whenever we get to it. You know what? On top of it all, because we're really looking for some engagement with the listeners here. First fan to write into the show and suggest a Games Club game 
We'll do it. If we haven't outplayed no. it, we'll have yeah. it. Yeah, don't listen. No, get, get the fuck out of here. Don't listen to him. He's wrong. We're not doing that. We consider it. We could consider it. If it's I short. will look at it and go, huh. And then we'll move on. We promise that we'll consider it. I already have the game that I want to fight for for the next uh, game. Well, that's great. Okay. I think I get. I think I should have more say in the next one. That's all I'm going to say. But we'll, we'll, um, is, it, is it an RPG, Peter? No, it's not. You didn't. Okay. You didn't not have a say in this one. We just all kind of unanimously agreed it was Control. What did we do before Control? Transistor. 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 I want to. Again, we'll talk later. We got a lot to get to. Uh, that's on recording. I think. Who decided on Transistor? I pitched it and everyone liked it as well. Okay. And then so I then I want to pitch again. the next one. I want to pitch the next one. Okay, but it's not a guarantee that your pitch is what we do. I may have played it, Peter, just like medieval. Have you played it? I don't Mark, know. I've already told you what I want to do. I don't remember what it is. I'm well, then sorry. I'll save it. Okay. Fine. Message me it. Message me right now. And no, I'll no, no, I'm not going to no. message you. Mark is unsullied uh, now. Okay. All right. Oh, the last housekeeping thing is is that um, this episode's coming out later because we are going to record reactions to Summer Games Fest and the Xbox Bethesda Showcase. We can't do that until Monday, though, when it usually publishes. So this will either be Monday night or Tuesday. But it doesn't really matter to you because me saying this is a part of the episode already. So it's not like I'm actually giving you any heads up on this. Um. And it's also yet to be determined if that will be considered our first topic or our last topic. So this will just be chopped up in some weird way. And and I'm, I trust you, the listener, to figure out what's happening. It's time to talk about Xbox and Jeff Keighley. Did you just get us started there? Was that your way of getting I, us yeah, started? Yeah, I wasn't sure if he was, was like pumping himself up. I was trying up. to. I was just throwing it out there in, in case everyone had started recording. But I don't know. I'll, t- I'll take my seat, I guess. Uh, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. No, please, Mark, leave. <laughs> All right. It's time to talk about Xbox and Jeff Keighley. Yeah, I have made the executive decision. I know Peter and Mark here were on the edge of their seat. This will go first. I think get the timely yeah! thing. Get the timely thing out of the way in the episode. There there is a legitimately great episode following these reactions though. So I encourage everyone keep listening after you hear us react to these two amazing showcases. But let's start off talking about my favorite man in the industry, Jeff Keeley. Hosted the Summer Games Fest. This is the year, guys. E3 is gone. Summer Games Fest has been here. And they were just waiting for that moment for E3 to be dead, dead. We saw the cute little tweets from Jeff Keighley all last year about how much he wanted E3 to just be gone. And he got his wish. And now he's the main player here. And Peter... How did Jeff Keighley do as the main player? Jeff Keighley, unopposed this year, I think let everyone know that Summer Games Fest does not need to exist and should no longer exist. I think that show was truly bad. It is not necessarily Jeff Keighley's fault that there wasn't that many games to show. 
because he's not the one making the games. It's the publishers and the developers. At the end of the day, they're the ones who have the final say on what there is and isn't to present to the consumers at home. But if there's not that much to show, then don't have a presentation. If you don't need to have a presentation, don't lessen your brand and your quality by shoving, I think, the probably the worst celebrity bit in any of his shows I've ever seen with that bit of The Rock in the middle of Games Fest promoting his energy drinks awkwardly in his own personal home gym, talks about how he's the quote-unquote iconic character at the foundation from Fortnite, and then just plays a trailer of Black Adam that has absolutely nothing to do with video games. I've said this multiple while times. I'll also, to say it. I just want to say, while also promoting absolutely every single thing that he is a part of, his energy drink, yep. his like clothing line, just every single thing he could plug, he got in there. I this goes back to my probably my biggest issue with Jeff Keighley is how he constantly tries to like bring celebrities in that have nothing to do with the industry who really don't give a shit about the industry and just use it to promote other ventures that have nothing to do with with our hobby. And it just makes us it makes the industry look lesser than which I always think is stupid, especially nowadays when video games are the most profitable form of entertainment. They've never been more popular and they've never been more important in the eyes of like, you know, the social pop, like pop culture zeitgeist. I really did not like this show. There were not any games from this show that caught my eye. Honest to God, I know that's that's more a me thing of how my interest in gaming genres has lessened over the years and I don't get excited that much anymore. But I just don't see how anyone could watch Games Fest and go, we need more of this. All it made me think of was, man, I miss when E3 was good. Keeley is going to be competing next year in person against E3. And I wish him the best because I think they're going to blow him out of the water. Not because they're going to have this amazing show, but because Keeley's going to have another subpar summer show. I love the Game Awards. I fully endorse them. I'll continue to support them there. But the Summer Games Fest... This was the year to prove it was necessary, and all it did was show everyone that it's completely irrelevant. Off to a hot start. Mark, what do you think of Summer Games Fest? I thought it was the epitome of a mid-conference, and it really disappoints me because I thought maybe with no one really showing up, there weren't a lot of showcases lined up. Everyone could just show up for Jeff Keighley if they so chose to because all eyes would be on him and just xbox but alas developers still did not want to show up for jeff Keighley's show and like peter said i don't think it's really his fault that his show is so excessively mid and that advertisement is the one thing i will blame him for uh with the rock because that that was definitely just a low point and not 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 a fun part that had to be part of his show whatsoever and if he wanted to bring the muppets back he can have the Muppets be a part of any of his presentations. They do not lessen the quality of his show. Peter, do you think that the Muppets are in that tier too? Yes, I do. It was it was a fun oh. bit for like at the very beginning, but now he just continually does it. It just takes up time. Most people don't care to see the Muppets. He t- my thing with the marketing is just you need he needs the funding for as big of a show as he wants to make it. You know, like you get what I mean? Like he he needs more money to sustain a bigger show. But then don't lessen yourself and have people expect less from you 
with these awful ads and just don't do a show that requires these awful ads if the show's not necessary. You don't have anything to show. Okay, Mark, you continue. When do you feel this way about the Muppets? Like I feel very strongly about this, that the Muppets bring something. I would a little, a little spark of fun. I would be more keen to having the Muppets than just about any other version of the celebrity showing up. Mm-hmm. It's I'm not saying that they're like an antidote though. They are just like <laughs> the better they are the least evil of what mm-hmm. seems to be a necessary evil in a Jeff Keeley show. Yeah. At least at the, when the Muppets have showed up, like they were, it was an award for the Game Awards, and then it sh- it showed that there was content coming. No, it wasn't content coming to Untitled Goose Game. The developers just made a fun little scene, and they didn't plug anything. I think that one was just a little harmless and having fun with the event. And then there was another one uh, where actually Muppet content did come to a game, which I don't remember what small game it was. Uh, but like that in that situation, if content it's content related, like sure, that's fine. I like Vin Diesel in Arc Two, uh, which maybe we talk about. I don't know. Uh, that is, I I don't think it's awful. It's annoying. I want to say because it does nothing for me. Like a celebrity in a game will not really necessarily bring me to the table. I could I could always be wrong. Someone. Someone could show up in a game and maybe I go crazy one day that I'm not even realizing yet. But uh, I I wasn't really captivated by anything. The only game, I think, from the entirety of the Summer Games Fest. I mean, there's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game. I thought that was cool, but we've seen that before. And it's cool that it's coming out in just a, a couple of days now as of recording this. And another previously announced game, uh, Nightingale, the steampunk cross-dimensional survival game which we really didn't see much of at all. So it's like, it's hard to give this credit for like the, these cool reveals where it's just like, Oh, these like, I don't feel like Jeff Keighley brought these necessarily. It's just, we've known about these for so long at this point. I don't know. It was just a lot of old news kind of making a small step forward with the biggest reveals just being not that impactful. Pretty disappointed. I, I'm going to have to echo everything you guys are saying. I mean, noted Jeff Keeley hater here. I, I never think he has the sauce and I'm, I'm honestly pretty disappointed that he didn't have it yet again this time around because I wanted, I wanted to enjoy the show. I wanted some good reveals. I wanted a a God of war release day. I I wanted all these things. And it seemed like Keeley was the only hope for that and i was ready to be positive i was ready to give keely his flowers because i i thought he was going to earn them and even up to when it started i i thought like overall presentation wise this is good i'm liking what he's doing with the show i'm not a full-on hater of like small in-between segments where you talk to someone the only thing that I don't like about them is just how awkward they are. Like, I feel like these could be done not awkwardly, but instead everyone acts like they've, they've just run into someone from high school that they don't entirely remember their name. Uh, that's how these conversations go down. And that's disappointing. I guess maybe the answer would be to like script them more or something so that 
Everyone knows exactly what they have to deliver while they're out there on stage. But I don't really know the fix for that. As far as the games go, I mean, this is why this show was ultimately a failure. Because everything feels double A at best fake at worst. I think there are some games from this showcase that feel decidedly fake. Um, and it's really, it was really tough to watch. I, I struggle to point to many things that excite me as well. Um, like things that we've seen cuphead looked good. Obviously teenage mutant Ninja turtles looked good. Uh, we we technically saw more Midnight Suns, but didn't see anything. We still don't know what that game is, and it's supposed to be coming out this year. Um, Call of Duty, big get. I understand why you get that for a show. Uh, yeah, I'll give that like a point to Keeley on that. And then beyond that, like I've been popping off for Street Fighter Six. This uh this whole week here everything i see on it looks really good keely had some street fighter 6 stuff obviously he didn't get the reveal but still good to see and we obviously have to acknowledge that the last of us part one remake officially leaked by playstation right before the show but do we have to though i because i've seen so many people in Twitter going man if that didn't leak the showcase would have been so much better no it wouldn't have this game doesn't need to exist i i i i i, I randomly feel so strongly about this i don't know why i do but as someone who is more positive on playstation than i think you are right now this is an embodiment of the playstation that worries me because they're just this this last of us remake has disney star wars energy of you guys remember the last of us and have you forgotten of like no we have it and then naughty dogs looking at us going well in case you've forgotten we're just gonna keep giving you joan ellie joan ellie you want a tv show it's theirs you want a remake it's yours Stop! This isn't a big. This is not a big announcement. It was already leaked, and even if it was, honestly, I think it's better off that this game was leaked because we all knew that it existed. Because if this was, if PlayStation tried to originally play this off as a big, exciting thing, I think they would have been laughed out of the room. I think, I think that's a really good point, and it was one question I wanted to ask about this show: of like, was it really a big get to have the Last of Us remake end the show? And I'm more in agreement with you is that like, no, actually, I think it's actually way more disappointing. And I didn't even take it that one step further that you just did of if we knew didn't know at all and this was the ending, would we really have been that excited or would we have just been disappointed? Because I think I might have just been disappointed. But instead, I'm thinking like, oh, poor them. I feel bad that they're big thing got leaked right before and I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt for that. But I I'm in agreement with you on a lot of stuff. And in fact, right before hopping on this recording, I'm making a a really quick last of us related video. And I needed to get some footage from the last of us remastered. 
And on PS5, the remastered one, you can turn on the fidelity mode, which looks significantly better. And because it's PS5, it runs at 60 frames per second, 1800p. So not not quite 4K, but very close. It looks incredible. It looks great. And I'm I'm playing this to get the footage for it, thinking like, wow, we really don't need that version. And I think the side-by-sides, like, yeah, they look improved. They look more like the second one. But did it need to happen? And the answer is obviously no. It did not need to happen. And they're charging $70 for this. Yeah, no. Get the fuck out of here. Who do you think you are? They are so clearly, this, in my mind, the remake and the show, their 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 fates are intertwined. They are trying to make each succeed based on, like, basically one exists to help the other. And, like, you know, they, 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 they're one being, if that makes sense. I just think this is PlayStation at their worst. I think this is such a needless, needless decision. The amount of, I, I would have rather Naughty Dog had been working on a new game with all of the resources, manpower, and time that have gone into this remake. It's so completely unnecessary. It was the final game to launch in the PS3. It had already been remastered for PS4. It got an update on PS5, the ones you just listed. I just it's I just look at all this and go, it's so cynical and the fact that Keely was going to have this as his final like one more thing, I think is absurd. And the fact that you had Troy and Ashley go up on stage and there there's the there's the uh, concept art of factions. I'm I'm sure this isn't how it came off, but that really just screamed to me of PlayStation calls Keely and says, look, we know we leaked at our end. We're really sorry. We'll have Neil show up. We'll even have Ashley and, and Troy show up. We'll give you a piece of concept art, and we'll let you announce it there in the show. I We know it's not much, but we fucked up with the leak, so sorry again. Here is something. And I feel like Keeley kept trying to ask Neil about what else he might be working on as a, you fucking owe me this. You owe me this. Like, I will never know if that was planned to show up at the show or not. And I think the the announcement for the fully-fledged, like, Last of Us Factions is a bigger deal than this remake coming out. And it's oh, obviously... Significantly. Yeah, it's obviously because of the HBO show. They want to make it... See- and, like, I, I like to think, like, you have this on a shelf that just says the last of us part two versus something that, I mean, last of us remastered, not going to be necessarily on shelves everywhere because there's still plenty of PS4 games. I don't really go looking at like a target or any department store for PS4 games. Now I just order everything online. So I don't know if someone's going to see that there. I check now and then I don't think it's, I don't think it's out there and about anymore. I mean, they easily could just print another run of it, but Mm mm-hmm we could but it, it looks different when it's just last of us remastered versus it says the last of us part two like and, and another takeaway i have on this outside of the show just on the game itself but the front of the box is just ellie and last of us part two i believe ellie's also it's just her face on the last of us part two so like that i feel like that's a framing of part three i think we get ellie in part three as well like this is very much going to be her trilogy so i think that tidbit of information to speculate on is part of some fun to be had here 
But uh, yeah, like even if it didn't leak before, Jason Schreier put out a report talking about this before. So I feel like people wouldn't have been surprised still. People would be like, oh, hey, there it is. That Last of Us remake that we didn't need. It, it's real. Keely got it. Cool. Uh, if that had never happened, maybe more people would be like initially surprised. It's like, why? <laughs> maybe for the worst, though. Like, I feel that's, like that's what I was saying. Yeah, if, like, if Schreier had never it leaked again. it, Schreier helped this game by leaking it prior because if PlayStation tried to treat this as like, a, oh my God, your heads will be blown announced, but everyone would be looking around going, Last of Us 1 isn't even 10 years old yet. And you've already remastered it two times. Well, who, like, how stupid do you think we are? I wish that the factions announcement wasn't so weak because I think that that's a bigger piece of news. But one concept art doesn't do anything for anyone Two, I'm not convinced until I see some evidence, the whole idea of like, Oh, there there's a story in here and they're trying to use that as a selling point. It's like, great. Let me see that because multiplayer game story is a, typically don't have much going on and it's a cutscene you'll have the ability to skip when you turn on the game and then that's it yeah at the beginning of every new season there'll be a new one that you can skip that's the story i also just i mean another case of some super awkward on stage stuff i thought it was super awkward when the concept art comes up and they're like oh we're not revealing the setting but uh some of you might be able to figure it out it's like, great, okay, well, I can figure out it's San Francisco because of the bridge, but why didn't you just say that? Like, just just say the thing. It's okay to say it. And um, then there was the whole, like, oh, we have some actors from the show, and it's Troy and Ashley. And then, like, I guess it was a bit that they did of, like, oh, we, we were thinking it would be someone else, but apparently you guys have roles, too. And I'm happy to hear that they have roles, but it's like, why did you guys just do this so awkwardly? Like, just it felt like Healy was honestly expecting someone else. It did feel like that. Like, like the rug was pulled out from under him again. And I'm I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt and assuming, like, oh well, this was Jeff Keeley's way of joking around. But it genuinely felt like he was he was disappointed that he didn't have Pedro Pascal and the girl who plays Ellie on stage. It's like he expected them to come here. Then he's, and he's looking out. All right, here come the actors. Is Troy staying in front of them? Where's Pedro? Oh my God. And he just played it so awkwardly. Obviously I, I have to lean more on the side of obviously he knows about this, but I just, I can't get the thought of out of my head of if it, I feel like we would not have at least gotten that concept art. By Neil Druckmann, if the game did not leak hours ago, I could see I, that being a, a last second make good. Uh, the the whole like oh we'll fly them out. PlayStation leaked it themselves. They are the ones who fucked it up. Also, uh, Neil seemed pissed. He seemed pissed off. Very much so. Um, I didn't get that vibe. Why do you guys think that? I don't know. I. Maybe he's just kind of a like lower energy guy or something, but I just got the vibe that he was not happy. He he kept taking pot shots at Sony when Jeff Keeley 
was fishing for like, oh, you're going to talk about your next game? He goes, well, maybe I'll talk about it if Sony leaks it again. I, I'm okay. I can see him being mad about the leak earlier that day. I also think Druckmann is kind of a guy who doesn't like talking about anything he's working on until he can definitively show it. Naughty Dog is a very secretive developer and they hold everything to their chest until they are no no confident. i'm i'm not no. holding it against him for not saying anything i'm i'm actually not holding anything against him i'm saying he seemed pissed specifically at sony that they had just put him in that position and i'm using I mean, the the evidence of him taking a shot at sony in that moment to illustrate that thought process <laughs> And I I think so just because like when a developer is usually showing off their thing for the first time, there's some sort of excitement in their voice that you can tell like they're really interested in talking about it. But he didn't really seem super interested in what he, he was talking about. Like even though this was the reveal, mm-hmm. like he just didn't have that energy to him. On top of those shots at Sony, and I just want to say I don't think this would have happened under Sean Layden's regime. Jim Ryan, what's going on? Jim Ryan, what is this? A controller? What's that? Under Sean Layden's Guy- regime, we would still have PlayStation shows. True. Yeah, we would. That's also true. Uh, and they'd still be making like weird, quirky first-party games that really aren't going to sell that well. But, you know, our developers want to make them, so we're going to let them anyway and have a bit more enthusiasm than just Jim Ryan going, here at PlayStation, we make money. It's like, I know Jim. I know you do. <laughs> okay. So the last of us conversation is done. I want to call out some of the worst showings in this show. Um, oh, and why would you enable the haters like that? Layers. Set a better example. You have a platform. Layers of fears. What the fuck, guys? What is that title? What is that title? Why would you call a name a game that? Is it a, was there already a Layers of Fear too? Uh, how many no, Layers? This of is fear this, this is this is I think there's only Layers of Fear being the first one, and this is the sequel. Why would they not just? No, say no, two? there was a Layers of Fear too. It looks like anyway. The do three. You're already numbering. You've already started that process. Okay. Keep it going. Now, uh, Bloober Team is already a punching bag of the industry. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of doubting that this is going to be the game that turns everyone around on them. And you come out here and you reveal layers of fears. Awful. Just an awful video game name. Um, also, no Silent Hill from them. Color me genuinely shocked. I thought it was a shoe and I can't believe there was no Silent Hill. We ruled out the ability to make that prediction. It seemed so certain. Um, next one I want to call out. Flashback 2. Uh, I guess Flashback 1 is a really old game. It's from... It says here it's from 1992. What was with their trailer that like showed? I guess it showed the game, but it looked like we were like looking through a fishbowl. I when that game was being shown, I said because Mark and I watched it together. I said, Mark, in a few minutes, you're going to see a bunch of people in the games industry who are in their 40s 
freaked the fuck out over this game and have anyone under the age of 39 scratching their head going, what is this? And lo and behold, Ryan McCaffrey is losing his shit on Twitter when this gets announced. I even said Ryan McCaffrey as my example. He's like, oh my god, flashback too! It's been 40 years! I can't believe there's a new one! This is another of those games where it's just... Sure, I'm all fine. I'm fine with fr- old franchises coming back. I will not ever think about this game of my own volition or free will. I'm sure some people are going to play it, and I don't really have many other opinions on it. Next one. The Aliens game. What an awful trailer that does nothing for anyone because we see Alien games all the time. And then ending it with three seconds of gameplay that reveals that it's a top-down shooter is one of the worst things I've ever seen. I watched, um, I don't know if you guys ever watched Kyle Bossman on YouTube. Oh, yeah. oh my, yeah, he used to be part of the Kyle Easy Boss- Allies. I, I stopped listening to the Easy Allies once he left. No offense to the other ones. It's just he was the host of the podcast. And Do you guys really watch Delayed Input at all? Yes, I do. I love that show. He he called out this trailer and how they did that with the gameplay at the end. It was like, this just shows me you're embarrassed of this game. You were actually embarrassed to show this game because you have gameplay here. You could have gotten more, but you didn't want to show it to us. It's one of, uh, I mean, everything I feel like I'm saying is like one of the worst trailers I've ever seen. But Very outlandish tonight, Owen. I I mean this show was I'm I'm getting more and more fed up with really bad trailers because I don't and know woke culture. I don't know. Oh, I don't I don't know where the woke culture thing is coming from right now. But <laughs> <laughs> um I okay, I'm just going to move on to the next trailer I need to call out. And then we can talk about space. All right. So this is now just your personal grievances. Yes. I'm just making sure. (laughs) Because the next trailer that I think was just awful with, I think the game that might even be worse than layers of fears was the game Stormgate. You couldn't, I mean, this is one of those like, uh, game that the video game characters play or, or not the video game characters the, mo- on, the movie characters play because I can't get a license for any other game um uh x blizzard devs which i believe maybe i missed keely saying this but i believe he just said like with some developers from a legendary studio i had no idea what studio he was talking about at that time isn't the studio behind this game called like frosted giants or something Frost Giant Studios. That is Frost correct. Giant. They, yeah, I looked up because I I saw them tweeting the day before this show, and I guess like someone I follow retweeted them. They have like twenty five thousand followers on Twitter, which for an indie dev, that's a pretty significant number of Twitter followers. So they're not nobodies. Okay, well, they made a horrible trailer that okay, okay, didn't right. show the game, and I messaged in our group chat that it seemed like. It was a combination of Recore and Forspoken in the trailer. And that's just like, those are not two things that you want to invoke <laughs> in your game. Hey, no. We don't know that yet. We don't know that. Oh, for you, sure you don't, you don't want to invoke Forspoken trailers. That's for sure. Did I just move that with my freaking <laughs> mind? 
<laughs> um, horrible. Followed by the title card, Stormgate. Stormgate. That that's what a lot of Keeley presentations feel like. You get the game Stormgate announced, and it's from the former devs of Dark Knight Zero Hour, and it's just like these. All, all of these uh, like buzz terms that you hear put into titles all just combined into one, all to create one perfect fake video game. Now, Owen, since I am going to get you on the spot here, I'm not saying that I disagree with you and that these are bad video games, but since you are someone who is so wildly opinionated on good video game titles, you're making a game. Give me a... Actually, no. No, 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 no. That was, that's for another idea I have later on the line. I want you to tell me one new IP or one new game that was announced this weekend or this week that had a good name. If you are so keen on finding good names. I liked Lightyear Frontier because it rhymed Um, from this show. I think American Arcadia is a pretty interesting one. Uh, Patriotism. Okay. Um. Maybe Metal Hellsinger? I think The Last Case of Benedict Fox is a good name, because that is a name you remember. That's a good name as well, yes. I think so, too. Um, Bad names are like, it's very much a you-know-it-when-you-see-it kind of thing. Whenever a game has legends or origins, uh, rebirths, just tags that are in every other game announcement, and it drives me crazy. I think even I think we were talking about it before. As dusk falls, I think that's a fun name. That's fine for what it is. Uh, yeah, it's, it's solid name. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll, we'll bad, touch on yeah, the game later not, on. Yeah, not a bad name. That's all I'm saying. Not a bad name. Um, I don't think there's a ton more to touch on, but I do want to get Peter your opinion on uh, your Dead Island Two prediction. Props to the goat simulator devs who don't give a fuck. Because then I was with me, I was like, oh my god, it's Dead Island 2. Then the second I saw the character model, I was like, wait a minute, something's wrong. These look really bad. And and then the second you see a goat show up, it's just like, they got us. They got us. I My head was in the right place. <laughs> Clearly, the, the rest of the industry agrees with me that Dead Island 2 is going to come back any minute now. It's I- in the public consciousness. I think that might be my favorite moment from Keeley's show. I thought that was so fucking funny. And the fact that it's Goat Simulator 3. Yeah, and there is no 2. There just is no Ghost Simulator 2. I I had no idea about that. Like, I said genuinely when that happened, like, wow, I didn't know that 2 happened. And then I found out, like, a day later, like, wait, 2 never happened. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just, I love that this this random studio just decided to rip Dead Island to a new asshole with this trailer. Yep. Dead Island 2, not hurting anyone. They're not putting their fingers in anyone's eyes, and the goat simulator just comes for them. Um Okay, actual last thing we should probably touch on from this show is the fact that every game is now a a Dead Space clone. What's happening here? Yeah, I guess Resident Evil believe. 2 remake revitalized the survival horror genre, and Resident Evil 7 
has done so as well. I would say those two games selling as crazily as they have made everyone go into their pockets and say, do we, do we have a survival horror franchise? Dead Space? I don't know what that is, but uh, fund it. And then you had a bunch of indie studios who also, you know, they were, they were, they were able to tell what way the wind was blowing and they're saying, okay, it seems like survival horror is in high demand again. And do we, can we make something? Yeah. People want to invest in it. All right, let's do it. And now you just have the culmination of the success of Resident Evil 7 and RE2 Remake. And now everyone's trying to like grab that. You know, they it's a gold mine. They want in. It's the gold rush. It's it's the Leon Kennedy gold rush. And a lot of these studios will be damned if they don't make some quick bucks on it as well. Mark, thoughts? I think that's like horror has definitely been really popular for a while now and AAA I don't think really has tried to tackle it too hard uh, and is it all just happening right now at once coincidentally I think that is that I don't think the last is super long I think we're seeing a lot of it right now by coincidence uh, I, I didn't like it to only just because like confidence right there worse for me when every game looks the same all right, Mark, I'm going to cut you off because you are a robot right now. Am I? You are. No, no. How's your connection looking? Let me see. I have no bars. You have no bars. I have no bars, everybody. You sound fine right now. I don't understand. Okay, well, I can get back into it then. Uh, I think a conference is at its worst when every game just looks the same. And for the first like quarter of this uh, presentation for Summer Games Fest, it felt that where everything had no color, everything was like action space shooter. And then we even go to Call of Duty, which isn't space horror, but it's still the same color pattern that I feel like when games look like that, that is when I check out the hardest from a conference. Even if it's like some small indie game that doesn't look like it's a game I would want to play or it looks very low budget or doesn't look the coolest, it still holds my attention more than games with that aesthetic because I just don't have nothing about those games. Will be, I, I, I like without like any sort of press of how good the game is, despite how it looks, uh, I, I could never naturally go towards those directions. Like even Callisto protocol. I don't think I'm going to go towards, uh, I don't know. That's there's people there for it. I don't particularly care about it and i don't think we'll see this many survival horrors again it was just a coincidence i mean i i find it kind of funny that last week after the state of play we were talking like oh callisto dead space resident evil 4 it's like all seem like they could be pretty good maybe we'll play them and now it's just a, a week later it's just way too much and it feels like how every once in a while in movies this type of thing tends to happen where it's like uh movies that just seem exactly the same come out at the same time i'm trying to think of some there was olympus has fallen and white house down came out at the exact same time and there's also it's friends with benefits and no strings attached are the two like famous examples i can think of of like oh those are all just the same exact movie but they came out at the same time as each other. And that's what it feels like it's 
happening with space horror right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, if there's anything I could like poke at for speculation, uh, is that this has been a couple of years after Dead Space, the Dead, uh, Dead Space Studio was shut down, and that was definitely a cry of people wanted more Dead Space. And on top of that, Resident Evil was just on a resurgence of just people. Of uh, really loving it after seven, like knocked it out of the park, and then two also did a great job at coming back, which is just a testament. Just like, oh, people really want this right now, and no one is doing it, and then all of a sudden, bam, everyone is trying it. All right, uh, I think that's all we need to say on Summer Games Fest. Another Keeley letdown. What else is new? We'll see him at Keeley too. It's okay. <laughs> um. Let's move on to the Xbox and Bethesda game showcase. 95 minutes, a lot of hills and valleys. Uh, you know what? I'm going to go first. I never go first for overall thoughts. I think there are moments, specifically the beginning and the end of this conference, are borderline the best a Microsoft conference has ever been. But man, did we get low in the middle. We got very low with some DLC announcements and just games that looked like they should have been at Summer Games Fest for some of them. But because of those high moments, like I think it was it was good. It was good. I've been floating out there like a strong 7.5. Not quite an 8. But if I were to just say it's a 7.5, I feel like that wouldn't sell it enough. So a strong 7.5. Um, mainly anchored by the big moments of like, we saw a lot of gameplay and some of their new games like Redfall and Starfield and getting getting Hollow Knight Silk Song in your presentation. Very big deal. So all in all, pretty good. Who wants to go next? Next, we can save Peter for last. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool for a lot of the reasons being we saw gameplay, and there were actually a couple of games I kind of want to play. Uh, I think there were some kind of lower moments, but even then, I, I, this is leagues better than, say, the, the Summer Games Fest show at the very least. And I don't really, I can't really blame Xbox too much because, like, I think we saw a lot of games with gameplay, but uh, I don't think a lot of these games still really looked strong enough, uh, like, to stand out on their own. Uh, I don't know. Maybe some games just aren't super interesting right now. Uh, but I, I was it was cool to see Grounded getting a full release. I'm going to play that. And Obsidian finally just finishing that and moving on to the other dozen games they're working on at this point. Um, I thought the Minecraft Legends reveal was really cool. That's a game that I wasn't expecting to see them do more stuff with Minecraft. I want to see more about that. Um, the Persona announcements at the moment... Was probably had the potential to be my favorite reveal so far of the entirety of uh, this E3, not E3, but uh, they're not coming to PlayStation, <laughs> which you know, no, no, I believe they are going into it. I believe they, they are, are, Mark. Oh, they are, yes, this is wonderful. Then, okay, maybe this is the best reveal. I didn't think that they were because I only care. I mean, it's also, I'm really holding out for Persona 3 ground up remake, not just a part of it. and. I supposedly had heard that this is like the lesser version of Persona 3, which like why bring this one back instead of the other one? I think there's heavy debate as to which one is the better version from everything I've seen online. 
Okay. I would personally rather have the one with the most story in it. Uh, that's just me. And I don't think that is this one. And it makes me wonder if, like, is the reason they are not going to give people that version because there is maybe a ground-up remake of this game, this very old, outdated game with some... That could, that could really use some quality of life improvements from what I know about it. Uh, I don't know. Or they'll just port it over because they they just don't want to invest the resources. I don't know. I feel like Persona is popular enough at this point where they could totally get away with doing that. But, you know, a port is easier and maybe they'll get just as many people to play it. I don't know. Uh, but I, I thought Xbox really delivered here. This wasn't like one, I think, for the history books necessarily. But I thought it was a good show. Peter? This is probably... I would also agree with Owen's ranking of a 7.5. I won't give it a strong 7.5, but a 7.5 nonetheless. I think this is Xbox's best showcase they've probably ever done. Which I think says more about how lacking they've been in the past than look how great this show is. I think that this is the best approach Microsoft has taken to a conference in years. I like this idea of just gameplay, 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 gameplay. Would you look at that? More fucking gameplay. This is the key of what they need to hone in on moving forward. This will excite people. This will make people want to invest in the Xbox ecosystem more when they can actually see what they're buying into instead of just vague CGI trailers that don't actually show them the finished product. I appreciate that they only did, they mainly focused on the next 12 months. They didn't want to announce another game that will come out in nine years that personally, I, we talked about it last, well, you know, well, we talked about it last week that you, the rest of you will hear in this episode. I'm not one of those people who complains when a game is announced too early. That doesn't bother me, but I know it does a lot of people. So they've probably saved themselves a lot of headaches by just sticking purely to what's coming out the next 12 months. That being said, the next 12 months, in my opinion, or at least the rest of this year is severely lacking. Pentiment is their big fall game, I guess. Their big holiday game because it's the only first party game of theirs that's coming out this year. So it sucks that we have another year of us just being told, just hang on, just wait, don't you worry. Next year, it's when the fun begins. Good beginning, good end. The middle varied quite drastically. You would have a series of announcements that were like, okay, this is pretty good. And then you would just hit a complete bump in the road and lose all momentum. And it's just, oh, okay. Now we're back to we're back to mediocrity. But uh, yeah, I'd give it a 7.5. It was uh, Xbox's best showcase and hopefully a sign of what's to come. All right. Let's go through these announcements. Uh, this one I will go by game by game and we'll just pause on the ones that feel important. So we're going to be pausing, pausing right away here with Redfall, which we got a lengthy reveal of. And I got to say, I was happy with how much it looked like Prey. And I still think this game has a little bit of a marketing issue because I keep hearing people say, that they think it's a Left 4 Dead game. And I guess the Arcane tweeted out, like, this is not a Left 4 Dead clone. In fact, this is, like, fully built to be able to be played single player, but you can also do co-op. I think that's an essential thing to get out there because I think a lot of people would look at this game and assume, like, eh, looks cool, but I don't, I don't have people I want to play co-op with or I don't want to play co-op at all. 
but they're trying to get it out there now that it's it's still an arcane single player game you can still play it without friends um when games do that typically the ai is horrible so i'll be interested to see how they handle that issue but i am more positive on this than i was from that cgi trailer last year very prey like even the the vampires reminded me of the big typhons in prey to some extent with how threatening they could be and i'll definitely try it out i mean that's not the biggest thing to say seeing as you can just get it on game pass but i believe i've played to some extent i haven't beaten every single one but i've played every arcane game since dishonored so this will be no exception i'll play redfall peter what were your thoughts on it this game did nothing for me I you keep saying it looks like prey respectfully as the guy who was the most positive on prey out of the three of us. I have no idea what you are talking about. This looks nothing like prey to me. This just seems like another multiplayer game that we'll tell ourselves we might play, but then we don't. Uh, yeah, I just it looked really generic to me. Didn't really have much of its own personality that I hadn't seen from any other games that have come before it. This, when I look at something like Deathloop that while I didn't play, I can respect from afar. Deathloop appears to have had a lot more passion put into it. Seem like I look at something like Deathloop, and it seems like people were just excitedly telling each other in the pitch room, like, oh, what if we did this? Or what if we did that? Oh my god, what if we did this? And they were just building off of each other's creativity. Or as I, I look at Redfall, and it just seems like this is a game that's covering the dead air in between Arcane's next big single player hit. It they can tell us it does it's not left for dead as much as they want, but the way they presented the game did nothing to make me think it didn't look like left for dead i i don't i didn't hate what i saw i was just left with a feeling of people would not be as high on this game if they knew that if if arcane was not making it is what i will say so yeah our redfall did not do anything for me mark anything on redfall uh I'm going to echo a little bit of what both of you guys said. I thought some parts would look kind of neat, but as far as arcane games go, I felt like it was kind of not as cool as other stuff they've put out. Where I feel like Dishonored and Deathloop, or Deathloop and Prey all have more distinct kind of like mechanics and narrative uh, stuff going on in the background. Uh, where Prey kind of has some choices, you're doing some more immersive sim exploring and getting into the environment getting to know the world maybe redfall will have that but we didn't see any of that really in the trailer death loop has its cool time loop going on that you're getting really immersed into the world uh and uh again with dishonored the the lore i feel like in deep world and decisions you're making are a huge part of that game as well and redfall is not really trying to sell itself as that is that is something it has that it's really trying to focus on that's kind of sad because i feel like that's one of the things that put arcane uh on the map but it looks like a cool first person shooter the enemies look uh kind of fun to shoot at the guns and powers you have also seem kind of cool 
but I don't think that's enough to make me really kind of want to. Because like I've said before in the podcast, I like really kind of play games that make me feel like I haven't played something like this before. I feel like I've played something close enough to Redfall and Arcane's like library that I'm not putting this on like a top of the list of like games I'm the most excited from from the presentations this week. So a little bummed out that uh, we we don't that this game doesn't uh, stand out as strong, but maybe. Maybe in another, uh, another trailer when we're closer to release, there will be something more uh, about this game that grabs me. All right, moving on. Xbox got Hollow Knight Silk Song, no release date, but I think it's a huge deal that they got this game. I don't have a ton of thoughts on it because I haven't played Hollow Knight. I did think it looked good, um, but uh, Peter, this is your game. Are you feeling good or bad about your pick right now? I mean, I'm feeling good in that if it somehow manages to come out this year, it's going to get me a lot of points because it looks like a high-quality game, but I have no personal interest in ever playing it because I I despise Hollow Knight's art style. I think it just looks incredibly unappealing. I think it looks gross. It just it doesn't look like a game I would enjoy looking at for multiple hours on end as it's kicking my ass and its difficulty. Same with Silk Song. I just don't care for how it looks, so I'm never going to play them, but I know they're well-regarded games, so... Here's hoping it comes out this year, and it's exactly what everyone wants to be, because if this game does well, I'm going to win. Mark, anything on Hollow Knight? I mean, it's Silk Song. People will be happy for it. It's cool that it showed up here, uh, and Nintendo couldn't get it after everyone just screaming about it at every Nindy Direct. Uh, but I played a little bit of Hollow Knight, and that's a hard game. I don't know. I'd, I'm not putting it on my radar. I'd have to play the original Hollow Knight, and it's already a long enough game. I'm not even considering playing this game anytime soon. I'm in the same boat. Um, And I'll be talking about bad art styles later on. And this is not one of those games. That's for sure. Um, High on life. Rick and Morty creator. Guns talk to you. Seems real quirky. It's not for me. Not for me. Pass. I've listened to a lot of people say that this is their most anticipated game. Um, Good for them. I have I have nothing to say on this. Justin Roiland's comedy doesn't really do it for me. Mark, does it do anything for you? No, not. All right, let's move on. <laughs> uh, Riot Games partnership with Game Pass for PC and mobile games, including League of Legends, League of Legends Wild Rift, Legends of Runeterra, Teamfight Tactics, and Valorant. The biggest thing is that all the champions are unlocked in their respective games. Big deal. I think it is. I don't think people are... I'm not saying you know the games industry needs to stop the presses over this, but I think this is a bigger deal than a lot of people are giving it credit for because, well, I feel like a lot of... I feel like a lot of games industry people don't care about League or Valorant. They're just... Those are not the kind of people for those kind of scenes, so they don't understand how big of an impact this will have on Game Pass, but I think this is a very smart and important partner for Microsoft to pursue in their... Uh, pursuit to make game pass as big as it could possibly be i want riot to make console ports of their games because then maybe i'll actually try out valorant one day i will never try league i've done pokemon unite and it drove me to insanity and i imagine league would only make me worse so big deal it'd be a bigger deal and i would personally care about it if it we're coming to consoles but it's not so i'll just look away from afar and go it's probably a smart move xbox good on you I, I think it's also really cool. As someone who doesn't play Riot games, I think this is a cool uh, uh, feature to have. 
not that this is going to get me to play any of these games anytime soon. Absolutely not. But I think uh, with the kind of business models these games have where you have to kind of unlock other characters, I would, I'm someone who's like, oh, that's annoying. I'd just rather have everybody so I can kind of experiment with all the characters. Like even when I was playing uh, Apex briefly, one of the reasons I didn't like the game was like, oh, I'd like to try the other characters a little bit, but I have to unlock them or spend money on them. And I'm just not going to do that. Uh, I'm not going to take invest that much time just so I can experiment with the character I might not like. So this, I feel like, is the best way to play these games. And the fact that Xbox has this uh, is pretty big to me. Yeah, I think it's a big business move. Um, next one up ends the good first section of this press conference with a Plague Tale Requiem, which I've never played the first Plague Tale. I've considered it before. Maybe this game coming out will get me to play it because I thought it showed really well. It looked like an impressive AAA game, even though I'm not sure if they would technically be considered like a AAA studio making this. But uh, any strong thoughts on this one? I I know I'm really interested in the game, but uh, like just like you, I haven't played the first one. So my, my solution to that is in the future, I am going to campaign hard that we play the first uh, Plague Tale for Games Club at some point. Doesn't have to be immediate. Doesn't have to be before this game comes out even. But I think it's a game we would all have fun with. I could see that being the case. Peter, anything Mm -hmm. on this one? I mean, uh, it looks really good. I would honestly also like to do a Plague Tale for Game Club one day. Don't really have any unique thoughts on this game. Again, looks really good. Nothing more for me to say. Didn't blow me away, but the the franchise intrigues me. All right, Forza Motorsport was cr- pretty, and we had to watch it for way too long. Uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator, 40th anniversary. This didn't need to be in the show. Uh, you do not need to take time to show this small little 40th anniversary DLC in your big show, especially when you have the extended showcase coming on Tuesday. Didn't need to be here. The little Halo moment. In flight simulator, though, I'll admit it was kind of cool. Uh, next big one is Overwatch 2, and we can't quite determine. Okay, no, it is early access, begins on October 4th, and it's free to play. Mm-hmm. Um, we've discussed Overwatch 2 on the pod before, talking about how it looks very similar to the first one. Still a big deal. Overwatch 2 still moves the needle, even if. There are reasons to not be happy with it, I believe, anyway. Um, But I don't think the trailer left anything to say on it, really, unless someone wants to interrupt me. Ara, history untold. Uh, Some sort of real-time strategy, maybe civilization-like game. Also, maybe the worst trailer in the entire show. It was one of the only CGI trailers. And what do you know? The CGI trailer did nothing for anyone. And it's a first party Xbox game too, which makes it extra annoying. Oh, it's first party, but not from a first party studio. So maybe we would consider this second party, but it got like the Xbox Studios branding on it. Which is why I I I think it's being considered among that. Yeah. Among that line. Um Elder Scrolls Online, Fallout 76. Forza Horizon 5 DLC. Uh, the Hot Wheels looked cool. 
this is the check your phone portion. <laughs> yes. Of the and, and the check your phone phone portion went on for a while because then we got arc two. I could see eyebrows at least being raised with scorn. Now scorn looking like a more horror based doom ish game that doesn't really look like it's my style. It does not look like something I want to play, but I think someone out there wants to play it. Um, and they'll be able to do that on October 22nd with Xbox game pass. Any thoughts on scorn? I'm never playing this game. This game is nasty. I agree. This game is disgusting, but also cool for people who like that. You know, it stands out because of that. You know, very unique game, but man, I don't want to play this game. I play this. I would play this game in VR, though. I would absolutely play this game. In That's VR. really gross. Like, I don't want to play. Like, I would only want to play this game. Like, if it's going to be like dripping on my sleeve, like on my face. Oh, my God. Like, that Move sounds on. like that sounds like. Really Move on. All right. OK. Now, the next game is one that looked pretty good, but it's going in the bad name category. And that is Flintlock Siege of Dawn. Come on, guys. Yeah, this is bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, third-person gameplay, though, of it looks pretty fun, I think. Um, I don't know anything about it beyond what it looked like, but has a chance. Any thoughts on this one? Moving on. I'm sorry. I got nothing. There's like, all right, like, this looks like a third-person action-adventure game. Cool. Yeah. It it doesn't stand out. Like it looks like it could be a fun one at least, but if if you were to tell me it was DLC for Forspoken, I might have believed you. It does have a lot of Forspoken energy in the gameplay. Yeah, just much better dialogue. Um, I just don't think it's as pretty as uh, Forspoken. Personally. Is Forspoken a bad title? I think it is. Yes, of course okay. it is. No, no, I'm, I just I think it is. I don't think it is yet. Yes. Yet, what does it need to do? I mean, like, I need to know why it's called that. I mean, there could you're gonna be with the writing in the trailers. Someone's gonna go to the main character like you are different than everyone else. You're forespoken, <gasps> and that's gonna be why it's called forespoken. And then you're gonna be like, "This is ours," and I'm gonna well, walk out of the room while you're playing I, it. I will tell you why it is called forespoken later this year when I do play it. Well, hopefully, it gets delayed. I I am a believer that Flintlock Siege of Dawn is a worse title, though. Forespoken has that going for it. That sounds like someone just hit their head on the pavement. They're like, quick, think of words. And it, that's what it's like, like. It's a, it's a game. If you could create like an AI random video game name generator, this is what it would come up with. Um, and they also might come up with Minecraft Legends, which was a surprise reveal, if nothing else. I don't have any thoughts on it, though. I, I would kind of need to see it more in action to see if it's a game that would do anything for me, but I kind of think it would. i to be honest. This is probably my game of the show. Really? Uh, I went back and watched gameplay, and it's like this. It's hitting something for me. I don't know what it is, but I'm, I could end up not even playing this game. I say game of the show, and we'll get to that later. Nothing. Ex I'm sorry. I'm. Actually, there is one that excited me, but I'll, I'll say it later. But for the most part, with Games Fest and the Xbox Showcase, I don't think anything excited me. One or two two games at best did. But this game is just like, I'm intrigued by you immensely. I don't know. The bits of gameplay we saw, it's like, this could be fun. I don't know why. 
action strategy game. Again, I'm not excited for it, but it's probably okay. I can't say it's my game of the show, but it's it's in the top three of like, I'm gonna look into you next time. Next time there's more coverage of you. You've you've piqued my curiosity. Fair enough. Next one up is Lightyear Frontier. I call out this as a good name. A good name. I'm not the biggest mech guy, but something about farming in a mech. I might be convinced to try this game. I'm not sure if I'll like it, but I might try it. This do anything for anyone else? No. I would. The only way this could do something for me is if the reviews say like this game is so deep and has so much fun, and you could play with all your friends and it'd be a fun time. But I don't know. Even then, not top of the list. Um. Okay, moving on. Gunfire Reborn looked extremely cheap. Moving on. Uh, the last case of Benedict Fox. I, I'm jumping for this game for the league next year. I'm going to try to grab this game as quickly as I possibly can. My hot take is that these type of games just automatically earn a good fanfare in the game's media uh, community no matter what because this is another this game did not overly impress me but everyone's talking about how amazing it looked and i just don't get it hey sign me up i'm one of those people this is another one of the games where i looked at it and went at first i was like oh, okay then i went back and rewatched it and i'm very interested in this game because and other people have been saying it on their podcasts this is giving me Ori vibes. I don't know why, but pe- me and others are seeing this game. Where it's like, why am I thinking of Ori? I don't know. But because it's giving me those vibes and that energy, I need to see more of this game. I have to. I just think that Ori is so much more impressive from first look. I think or- oh, Ori I'm- is the type of game that shows incredibly well. I, in no way am I saying, "All right, Ori, this game's eating your lunch." I, I'm, I'm chasing. I'm looking for more Ori. I'm looking for an- Ori anywhere I can get because Mood Studios have already said they're not going back to that franchise. I'm also not sure if they even own the rights or if Microsoft owns it, but that's regardless of the point. This game made me think of Ori, and it looked impressive and had a cool name. So this is another one of the games that I'm interested in from this showcase. Mark, does this do anything for you? Um, no, it doesn't. Like, it's I I didn't even pick up that it was going to be a Metroidvania from the trailer the first time I watched it, but apparently everyone else did. I just thought it was a two D like platformer, and thought, oh, this this looks pretty, I guess. But that's all gl- it does to me. I'm glad Metroidvania is beginning to enter this small narrow gap of game genres I genuinely love and enjoy. Um, I'll I. It's the type of game that maybe if it reviews well, I'll play. But I was not overly impressed with the trailer. And another trailer that did not impress me is As Dusk Falls. This is uh, your latest entry in the multiple different storyline, pretentious story game uh, class of video games. And the art style in this game... I can only describe as sickening. Like, I actually think I wouldn't be able to play a full game that has this 
paper cutout stop motion style to it. It's I just find it really gross. I find it really gross. I don't want to play it at all. And as our resident pretentious game player, Mark, what do you think of it? Now, I think the art style and like the idea of the game is cool, but like the plot and scenario they're setting up, I, I have no interest in that story whatsoever. So I'm just not paying attention to it anymore. I've already checked out. Like the characters don't seem very interesting. The the scenes with all these families and the the drama with this crime that they're doing. I'm like, I I don't think this is cool. The mystery that they've got going on, I don't care. I don't know. It sucks because I feel like this is something I I would maybe be interested in trying out, but uh, it just does not seem like uh, it is a game I will have fun playing. I feel like the story will bore me very quickly. Uh, Peter's never going to play it, so we can move on. No, (laughs) Uh, you don't even get that. (laughs) Uh, Naraka, Blade Point, popular Battle Royale in Asia. I don't think we have anything to say on that, do we? Pass. Pentiment. The only game coming out this fall for Xbox. An Obsidian game that was rumored to be kind of Obsidian's response to Disco Elysium. Supposed to be kind of a smaller scope game. I guess it's set in the 16th century, and this is one where I have basically nothing to say about the actual game of it. It could be good. It could be bad. I don't really know, but I don't like the art style. I was really disappointed by the art style because I think it just looks really gross. Any thoughts on Pentiment? Pass. Uh I now now we, the fact that this is inspired by Disco Elysium. I started Disco Elysium and I didn't care for it too much, and it wasn't necessarily because of like the game. I thought the systems in that game, the the ones that people really put on like the high pedestal, are interesting, and I'm curious to see other games like uh, try to do that and do more with it. But and in, in, in Pentiment especially, I think this is something I might try out if uh, people's. Uh, review it well if, if, if the word is good on this game with disco elysium i just really didn't like the characters you're kind of following i thought they kind of sucked uh the main character especially just a huge asshole and it's a story where just like everything is just you're you're in this kind of really rural rundown city and everything just kind of sucks and you're forced to be someone who also just really sucks and caught in the mind of this person who is not good at all having to follow that character around, I thought, oh, I, I'm just not having fun with this. I don't want to be associated with this person. Pentiment, if it's got these cool systems, but not that same scenario, I don't know. Maybe I'd enjoy it better. So it's on my radar at the very least. Grounded getting a full release. That's cool to see. Yeah. But we know Grounded. Uh, next up, Araban Shadow Legacy, another fake name. Uh... And I don't remember this game at all. You could be lying about that name and I would believe you. Yeah, I don't remember this thing ever showing up. I don't know what it is. Um, Quick scroll through the trailer. And the little description says that it's a a stealth, fast-paced stealth platformer game. The only thing I remember about this game is that the Raw Fury logo came up. And I, we all watched this together and I said, I feel like Raw Fury shows up every single time we're about to see a fake game. And uh, that might be true here. This is a big one. 
Diablo 4. A reveal that I thought they kind of botched with the cinematic trailer beforehand because, I don't know, I just I just didn't think the cinematic was very good. And all it did was make us think, oh, Diablo 4. Then it kept going and it was like, wait, maybe it's not Diablo 4. And then it was <laughs> Diablo 4. Um, the gameplay, though, I thought looked very fun and looked very good and a definite step up from other Diablos that I've seen. I've never played a Diablo, but I would be interested in trying this out. Uh, also, no, not Game Pass Day 1, but I assume that is just something that they have to say right now. Uh, it would be it, very... It Game Pass Day 1. Oh, no, it's not. It's not. I'm sorry. You're right. It would be very disappointing if they buy Activision and somehow something like this is not game pass day one then it's just like what did you guys do this for it will be there's i i fully believe it's because they legally can't say it is right now because the deal still hasn't been confirmed but the second they own activision this is going to be on game pass without a shadow of a doubt anyone going to be playing some diablo out there with me i've never played a diablo game but i will say this could be the one i try out it looked very pretty, and if this is if people say this is one of the best ones, I don't know if they will. There will definitely be a like a tear because there's a diehard Diablo fan base that loves Diablo two, and then everybody else. And I don't know if it's going to cater to more hardcore or casual. Diablo two being the hardcore, they want the game to be as difficult as it possibly can be. Gruesome. I don't think it's going to be that, but you know what. I don't care. I might try it out. Oh, no. I think they had plenty of success with Diablo 3 to be able to move on and make make the game that they want to make without having to cater Mm -hmm. to the niche audience. I think so. I have no plans to play Diablo 4. Overwatch 2 is where you're going to find me in terms of Blizzard installments in the near future. Are you sure we won't be finding you in Season 7 of Sea of Thieves? Yeah, positive. What about this 3D platformer, I think, called Ravenlock? Bad name. Uh, From the developers of Echo Generation. That does anything for anyone, and it does nothing (coughs) for me. (coughs) We're going to pass on that one. Yeah, yeah, we are. Uh, Cocoon, yet another developer claiming to be the creator of Limbo and Inside. I feel like we're all we all worked on Limbo and Inside. Uh, it's getting point. to that point, for sure. Like how everyone also worked on Bioshock. Yes. Um. Oh, what was the Keeley game? There's a Keeley game where it was like the stunt coordinator of God of War and one of the writers of something else. Just like very specific callouts. Um. Mark, you seem like the only one this would have done anything for. I thought this was way too puzzle heavy for my liking, but uh, I could see you liking this game. I could do. It's an Annapurna game as well, and they usually have an eye for stuff that I like. So uh, in the long run, it might be something that I like. I feel like this is a take I have in a lot of games right now where nothing is like personally speaking to me at first glance, just from either just like looking at gameplay for a second or just aesthetically, but these games might have more in store than they're showing in their trailers. And I'm just going to have to wait until reviews come out to say if the game really lives up to it. Cause right now I don't see this game standing out of a crowd. It could be a puzzle game that is cool, or it could just be a generic puzzle game. 
I don't know. I can't really tell from the trailer, but I, I will remember this later when it comes out and make a decision. That All right. Next game is a game that I don't think we popped hard enough for in person as being a big deal. But that's Woe Long Final Dynasty. It's a Koei Tecmo Team Ninja game coming to Xbox, Game Pass Day 1. Xbox never got the Neo games, and this was the developer of Neo. I think this game looks pretty impressive, uh, and I can't tell. I can't tell, is this a Warriors game? Is it a Souls-like game? Or is it kind of a Ninja Gaiden-esque game? It's somewhere in one of those categories. I don't know which one, but basically no matter which one it falls in, I think it's a pretty big deal. Um, I could definitely see myself trying this one day one. Any uh, any thoughts on this one from you guys? I People are saying on Twitter that one of the lead like designers behind Bloodborne is heading this project. Oh. So that just tells me this is another case of from software. So I'm good. I'm going to keep walking. I, if if it is from software, maybe I could look at it. I I would. I mean, there's so many from software games I haven't played that I would much rather go through the library of other from softs than the games trying to be from soft. Uh, if it is a Dynasty Warriors game, I I am already asleep. I will not try it. The only Dynasty Warrior s games I like to play are the ones that are ties tied in with other series that I do like, like a Hyrule Warriors of the Fire Emblem one that's coming out soon. Um. Otherwise, like I don't feel like the gameplay is enough to get me interested in it. The thing that I, my biggest takeaway from this is that I have a good friend of mine uh, where for years now, every game showcase, he de- almost despises every game that is shown. Dynasty Warriors is one of his favorite series, and he despises the Souls game. So to see if that is what's going to happen here, he's just lost one of the few franchises. I do not think that, that this is the Dynasty Warriors game. It's Koei Tecmo. It looks like it is Dynasty Warriors Universe. It looks it's like a Universe, but Team Ninja doesn't make the Warriors games, I don't believe. They make the Neo they games. Don't. That's true. That is true. But like, if they want to branch out with the IP more in this direction, like say we get less Dynasty Warrior games because this takes off, uh, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world, but I'm only thinking about my friend who is just losing more games that he likes to play. That's all. I just... I mean, the logos at the end only say Xbox. I don't know if this is exclusive or not. Um, I don't know either. I'm going to assume no, but still, Game Pass Day 1. Next announcement, big deal. All the Persona games finally, well, not all of them, 3, 4, and 5 Royal are coming to Xbox. This was one of my predictions, at least close to one of my predictions last year. I had four and five getting announced last year, and that did not happen. If I decide to carry over that prediction, I could have gotten a point, but instead I'm rocking a zero right now. Uh, the first one coming out will be Persona 5 Royal on October 21st, and then who knows when the other two will follow, but they're also coming to Game Pass. This is a huge deal. It could also signal that Persona 6 will be multi-platform at launch. Who knows, but it's very possible. Uh, Mark, take it away. I talked a little bit about it before, but it's cool that this is finally coming over to Xbox after, uh, 
I mean, we put Persona 4 on Steam, and that was a huge deal. They made so much money from doing that that it just made sense to finally put these games on other platforms outside of PlayStation. It'd be cool to see them on Switch as well. We have freaking Persona 5 Scramble, the the Dynasty Warrior-like Persona game. That's just hanging out on Switch and PlayStation. But no actual Persona games playable over there. So, like, let's complete the whole circle here. Uh, but it, bigger than that, it is cool to see Persona 4 and 3 coming back to modern consoles because... A, Persona 4 Golden is a very... I mean, before, at least on Steam, it's only on Vita, the PlayStation Vita. You can't get it anywhere else. So having that come back and be playable again is great to see. Uh, and Persona 3, even older, uh, only on, I think, PS2 and PSP. The the best version, the one I call the best version with more story uh, on the PSP, I don't think is available anywhere else. So again, these games that were not accessible before, very cool to see, but... I am a little disappointed that it's just a port for some of these games. Persona 4, I only ever expected a port, and that's fine. But Persona 3 is a lot older, and I feel like some parts of that game, I'm just reiterating myself at this point, I just really want a ground-up remake, and I'm still holding out for that. I might not play Persona 3 when it makes its way to modern consoles, because I will still just wait for a remake that maybe won't ever happen. Maybe I'll put like a timer of like 2040. If that doesn't happen by 2040, I'll play Persona 3 then. I don't know. 28 but, but it's cool 18 years damn yeah all right we finally got the announcement that hideo kojima is in fact working on an xbox game they show nothing with it but i am personally just happy to know well one i'm always happy to see kojima's face and two i'm happy to know that these rumors that have been percolating for like a year or so the they're just finally they're confirmed. I uh, we no longer have to consider them just rumors. This is exactly what Peter talks about later on in the episode of like why be so secret. The secret is no longer there, and I am at the very least happy for that. Did this do anything for you, Peter? I'm happy it's finally announced that they're publicly acknowledging it. There was no game at all, not a name drop, nor saying the type of game it would be, like the genre. Nothing at all, so I'm not excited by this, even remotely. I am just glad that they have finally said it, so we can stop having to whisper about it and have people yell at Jeff Grubb saying he's a liar. And then it ended on 15 minutes for Starfield, rendering yet another one of my predictions moot. Um, And... It's been a mixed bag as to how people have reacted to this. It was, I think it was a pared back version of the typical Todd Howard thing. I, I could have actually used a little more Todd Howard in this personally. I agree. Um, But what we saw, I think that there were flaws in how they presented it. And there are a few things to be slightly wary of, but I am very excited for this game. And after this reveal, I am still very excited. I am also thrilled to hear uh, just on Twitter today that they announced that there is no voice to the protagonist. And that is such a good thing in my book because I hate the generic voices that can come in some of these RPGs. Um, And it was bad in Fallout 4 and it's bad in Cyberpunk and it's bad in the vast majority of examples. Uh, a lot of people think that that means like it's a lower production quality, but I really just think it's better. Mm-hmm. 
they showed a lot. They showed first-person shooting combat. They showed, I guess, a little bit of exploration. They showed space, uh, like ship fighting and combat. I was surprised by the combat. Um, they showed ship customization. Settlements are back. You would, I would like to think that they're improved from Fallout 4. Um, and they gave a little bit of a hint of like story and faction stuff. Hit just about all the bases. I would like to see. Oh, they also hit the character creator and they show that you like pick your own background and stuff. And I love to see that as well. A lot of bases I like. It looks very much like a Bethesda game. And I like Bethesda games. So I am excited for Starfield. Who wants to say something next? I want to hear what Peter has to say. All right, everyone. Since Mark is really playing this up, here are my long-awaited thoughts on Starfield. Game looks good. That's I n- I'm never going to play an Elder Scrolls game. I might play a Fallout game one day, but I am not someone who considers themselves to be a Bethesda Game Studios fan. But with this being a new franchise, a new IP, we're all going into it at a blank slate, open minds. I liked what I saw. The main parts that appealed to me were the ship combat and being able to build your own ships. I will say. The frame rate issues in the trailer weren't a good look. Oh, and you can keep saying that it was because of the stream. All you want. That is not true. That's just, that is a falsehood. And also, this game needs more color. I don't know why they decided to have the walkout moment for this game be a barren fucking wasteland devoid of life and color. Starfield! Aren't you excited? You look at that and go, oh, okay. I guess it's like getting socks for Christmas. But then later on, the game actually starts to tell you what it is and presents itself better. I think this is going to be one of the biggest games the next year. I understand some people i mean the skepticism of oh you could go to over a thousand planets makes you just kind of squint your eyes and look in an untrustworthy manner and i i'm i'm doing that i think that was the worst part of the presentation i think if i'm phil spencer watching over that conference before it airs on sunday i go up to todd howard and say you go back to that studio and you re-record that segment and you take out that line because that's going to be headlines all over the place of you are going to have that misconstrued for every article and every review that comes out of just over a thousand planets, huh? And then it just have some cartoonish music being played in a YouTube video with 1.5 million views as the this is the name of the video is Starfield Overpromised, Underdelivered. Shake my head. So other than that line, I do think overall it was a pretty good presentation. And I'm glad that the game got delayed until whenever it's ready to come out because it'll make me feel more confident in the game if it was still a, this, still have me ha, still give me more confidence in the game as opposed to if it still was coming out later this year. Those are my thoughts on Starfield. What if I'm thinking here? The reason why they delay the game. They recorded the footage for the Bethesda conference. They looked it over and they said, Todd, we don't have a thousand planets. Sure, they have. Todd's <laughs> like, I'm not re-recording. We have a thousand planets. And it's like, fuck. Ah, we can't do this. 
Uh, but Starfield, yeah, I think this is one of my favorite games so far they showed. I mean, I was looking forward to Me it. Me too. Uh, it's just the, it's the, ma- the sheer scale of it, and it's a new IP from Bethesda, so it's cool. To, I, I'm curious to see what they're going to want to do different from Fallout, especially because, like, hey, Elder Scrolls obviously going to be different than Fallout in their open world because it's fantasy. You're not playing with weapons and it's not guns. But what are they going to do here with their shooting, with their mechanics that are so significantly different than Fallout? I mean, of course, the space comet is the whole thing. Obviously, going to be different, but I, I want to see more about that. I'm curious how good the writing is going to be for the to like to to take up with this open world. Is it just going to be filled with the exploration, or are there going to be interesting characters in here? Are there going to be aliens? We don't even. I imagine there's going to be aliens, but I'm I'm guessing they're not going to show us anything about that, and that's just going to be the fun of the moment of when we're playing this game live. And everyone's learning about all the secrets of this universe the first time. Like, I think playing Starfield the first weekend of this game has the potential to be a very magical weekend as everyone figures out what's in here. Or the game maybe just won't block work. out about 27 hours in your schedule. Oh, I will probably. <laughs> It'll probably be Elden Ring all over again. You guys will, may not see me the next week. Uh, I, I, I'm. Very curious more. I'm glad we finally got to see the gameplay for this. The, and like you're saying, the character creator, I, I love that, that you're going to be able to choose the background. I don't know how much it's going to take a play into like anything narrative speaking, because even like something like Mass Effect, you can pick your background, but that doesn't play too much of a role into the, the grand scheme of the story. And maybe that'll be different here. That'll be very cool to see. Now, having such a big character creator, like I want to emphasize, that's so cool for a Bethesda game. They're usually pretty lacking on that. I agree, and here is what I think this game has potential to do. I think I may have even brought it up on the podcast before, in that the way they're talking about it, it sounds like they're sick of getting called out for not making very good RPGs in their last few games. Mm -hmm. And they never include a background selector in their games, but someone mods it in to all of their games. So that sounds like a like listening to the mod community type of thing. Mm-hmm. Taking away voice acting sounds like a listening to the RPG community kind of thing. And they keep tweeting about how like uh like Peter will hate to hear this, but this game is about the direction like you decide to go. And if they mean ah! that, if they mean that, then they potentially could have created a great RPG here. If they decide that it's going to be like one of their more, um, I struggle to say linear main stories. I don't know. Like their main storylines never feel the same as the rest of their game. Um, which is why no one ever talks about the main storylines in any of their games. Uh, but if they manage to have more of a, like, cohesion between the main storyline and everything else i think that could potentially be very good i'm excited i i actually made a video i think i made a video in 2020 about how the best thing starfield could do is have like a slightly underwhelming gameplay showcase and i think this isn't Extremely underwhelming. I was happy with it, but some people are underwhelmed, and I think that is good for setting expectations 
because I have faith in this game to beat the expectations then. But if they came out and every other line was talking about a thousand planets, a thousand planets, a thousand planets, then I would be worried. Uh, but we only got the thousand planets thing once. So there's hope here. It could yeah. also have potential of being another like legendary Todd Howard line of like, it just works a thousand planets. Mm-hmm. Like, well, oh, why do this to yourself, Todd? Come on. Yeah, that's what I was making the joke before. Cause like there, there's a lot to unpack there, but they just kind of said, eh, and a thousand planets and they walked away. Yeah. And I, I imagine like maybe at some point in time, they would have loved to kind of go into that. But in a post Fallout 76 world, I wouldn't be surprised if Todd has gotten a slap on the wrist. It's like, you're selling it too well. Like you need to temper expectations. We, we, it, that, that line does have Fallout 76 energy of, have you not learned anything? I mean, like, I imagine that's like something you want to sell. Like I, they, that they have so many planets. It's I, I think it's going to be like a no man's sky kind of procedurally generated thing where. Of course it is. It's not physically possible. It's not. It's not. I've seen some people on Twitter going, guys, we haven't played the game. You don't know how you need to get up. If these are over one, if these are a thousand unique planets, this game wouldn't come out for another 15 fucking years. I mean, it's been a long time since Starfield's been in development, Peter. They, they announced started working how long on ago? this game in 2017. That's when they announced it. No, that's when they started working on it. Like, actually making the game. When did they announce it then? Was that the same year? 2017? I, from articles I've read in the last couple days, they, the main bulk of Bethesda Game Studios went from Fallout 76 to working on Starfield in 2017. I believe they announced it 2018. Or 2019. They might have announced it in 2019. No, no, I think it was before then. They announced it right after a Fallout 76 showcase, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and Elder Scrolls 6, that's right. All right. That was the Xbox and Bethesda showcase. We gave our overarching thoughts, but going through it again, I still think, yeah, pretty good. Um, any final thoughts before we get back into the rest of the episode? 2023 is the going to be the year for Xbox. This is um, their time. It's all finally so lining up. It's all finally lining up and they're going to knock it out of the park. Phil Spencer's big plan that we saw back in 2018 is finally coming to fruition. I'm, I'm not going to be able to play Starfield on my PlayStation 5. That's really starting to sit in with me. Yeah, but you're a big mod guy anyway. I am. I'll be fine. But I just hope my PC can run. Yeah, it your your well. PC never works for anything, so exactly. that's not a great place to be. All right, back to the episode. All right, it is time to talk about a thing that I want to talk about, uh, and hopefully there's some meat on the bone here because big news happened in games media with Jeff Gershman leaving giant bomb and this is not a big deal to me personally uh everyone already acted like giant bomb died when like the other founders left about a year ago i think uh and i've never really consumed giant bomb content i know jeff gersman the name i don't really know why he's that important um and the other people that left giant bomb 
they started their own thing. I believe it's called Nextlander. I've listened to a few of their things, and I just kind of thought like, oh, more guys talking about games. I, I didn't. I really just didn't think much of it. But all of that is to say, I mean, Giant Bomb has been huge in this industry for a long time, and they have a lot of fans. And now everything that got them their fans is gone. And this website still needs to persist. So I just kind of want to talk about, is that even possible? Can something succeed without its main cast? And just kind of open this up to uh, a general games media conversation about the state of video games websites and if they're even viable anymore. So... I, th- I think we should start with the simplest question, which is it possible for a site that had a main cast of characters came up and formed that fan base? Is it possible for it to survive without any of those members? And I want to start with Mark on this. I think uh, to start us off, like if it's like an immediate action, like if I'm going in a theoretical situation, where there's like podcasts going for 10 plus years. It's been six guys. All six guys disappear at once and they're replaced with six people. I would say you're dead in the water. Like, who are these people? If everything will fall off, especially if those six people go off to do something different, everyone just moves with them at that point. Um, with Giant Bob's case, at least those the, the founding guys who left like a year ago, they all are doing their own podcast. So they're... I, f- I felt like maybe there were some people doubling up between Giant Bob and this new group. And now with Jeff Gersman gone, uh, I, I know they have slowly over the years, even before those founding members left last year, had other faces come in that were filling gaps and already kind of growing what Giant Bob was. And I think they're going to do more of that because the even now there still is a lot of people filling in the gaps. And sure, some of them are just games media personalities that aren't like giant bomb employees right now. But so long as I think those people are there to kind of kind of keep giant bomb strong, keep it going for a while until it can kind of find out its new identity. I think it has a shot. Do, do I think any like platform could just do this if someone were to leave? Probably not. I don't think your chances are very good. And I think all these people who are helping Giant Bomb understand that it is uh, a dire moment right now for for the longevity of the site. So people don't want to see it go. And I think that support, uh, it, it like basically it is on life support, I would say. Uh, and, I, and I don't think it's impossible for it to possibly go out to pasture and we don't see Giant Bomb anymore. But I think there's enough people who care about it will keep putting enough love and work into it that it can see a second wind and build a new identity around the current personalities. You have a little bit of experience with them, don't you? I I would listen to some of their stuff. Their game of the year stuff that they used to do was some of the best game of the year coverage I would ever listen to, like I've ever listened to. But with that being said, it would be like them in a deliberation room arguing about every game and putting a list together for like eight hours per award category. Like they went really fucking hard on a lot of this stuff and considered so much. It was very thorough and very passionate that some of the people at the table just despised Game of the Year, but other people felt so strongly about it. What did Dan Reichert think about it? 
Do you remember? Uh, oh, oh, I remember. This is the year Breath of the Wild. I remember listening to, uh, for 2017, and I, uh, a lot of guys at Giant Bomb were not that big on Breath of the Wild, but Dan Reichard would not leave the room unless people would recognize how amazing Breath of the Wild was. It's his favorite game of all time, so I figured exactly. he'd fight for it. Oh, he fought for it so hard to a point where like he wouldn't budge, and everyone was so annoyed because they could have left. <laughs> So much earlier, if maybe he would <laughs> back down on it, but no, he fucking would not. Uh, Peter, I'll extend the same question to you: of like, are are they floundering right now because everyone that made Giant Bomb is gone? I don't know if I would say it's floundering. The way I look at it. Sometimes things end. You may have had, you may have like really important memories or moments associated with said thing, and this thing could mean the world to you. But it doesn't matter because time moves on whether we like it to or not. And I feel like Giant Bomb is one of these cases where sometimes it's best to just let things die. I I look at all these moves with Giant Bomb and maybe they'll make it work with everyone they've just hired. The fact that an old member is coming back and one that was as popular as Dan is definitely going to help them, especially since he's in charge of the thing. But I just don't see why we have to keep this... How old is Giant Bob? Can I say it's a fossil of the, you know, the games media? Uh, that's actually one of my questions of like are they like a legacy outlet or are they more similar to like the independent ones like a kind of funny kind of. Like the they're in like this in between space and they've been around for a while. But they're not an IGN. So I I really have never had any idea what to call them. I think yeah, they I, were kind of they were a kind of funny before kind of funny before like Patreon existed. I mean ever since the, the whole story with Giant Bomb is the Kanan Lynch review that really got such a big buzz where he thought it was Jeff Gersman reviewed it thought it was such a bad game but the developers were very upset with this re review and wanted him to redo it and he wouldn't do that and it resulted in GameSpot firing him for it. Uh and the story got out there and he decided to make his own outlet where he could be as critical as he wanted to. And with that kind of story, like also being at the back of Jeff Gersman's like venture to do games media his own way, uh, I feel like definitely even helps more. Maybe more people get, uh, were started listening to him because maybe some people didn't like how the media was uh, going at that point in time. Maybe some people thought it kind of sucked that that kind of was a situation he had to go through and he wanted to do something different. People don't want to have to consume media that's so uh gated that way that makes you not trust the review process at that point i don't know i feel like uh it's been at least 10 years easy to say i think it was like 2010 maybe is when giant bomb came to be uh, uh i just looked it up 2008 okay a little God, little yeah, earlier old no but it's like not that old really oh that was 14 years ago yeah i know but this is this is a media business like in the grand scheme of, let's say, like, uh, I don't want to say modern games media, but, like, when games media kind of was very popular, like, like where did it start really blowing up, becoming a staple thing? And I want to say the 2000s 
360 PS3 era is when I would say they really started to blow up. Yeah, that's feel like I feel like that's a generation where stuff slowly started becoming more and more mainstream. And the 360 came out in 2007, right? 2006. Oh well, still two years later. Yeah, I would say this is oh this they started right around the time that video games started to actually become a somewhat big deal. Yeah, I I just would hesitate to call them like a fossil because I just kind of feel like something like this should be able to have a longer life than it's seemingly having. Um, but I don't know. What does it have to? That's what I was referring to, where some things just come to a natural end. You don't have to be happy about it, but it's it's just how life shapes up. I. I don't think this is as bad as certain other ventures in the games industry where they're either bringing back an old show or continuing to try to... You're pointing at G4, right? You're pointing at G4 specifically. Yes. I'm pointing... I want to point at G4 and I want to point at Rooster Teeth. G4... Because I feel like this... I feel like what they're doing with Jaya Bomb could possibly be an example of both. Where G4 coming back... I don't know if I've said it on a podcast, but I'm not afraid to. You know, I'm going to tell it like it is because that's what our viewers want. Whoever thought G4 coming back was a good idea, I don't know what on earth what they were thinking. And I feel as though so far I'm correct in that assumption because I don't think anyone's been watching G4. I don't think there's a demand for G4. And that is an example of this thing used to be popular. It had a natural death. Some things, sometimes dead is better. G4 is an example of that. And then whereas you have examples like Rooster Teeth where it's like, you have been overstaying. I used to adore Rooster Teeth. It used to be my life. I used to go to RTX with James every summer. I, so I say this with that in mind. Rooster Teeth... I think has over overstayed their welcome. And now I think they're just going on fumes. They've lost most of their viewership. And you just look at them like a shadow of their former selves. Sometimes it's better to end at season four or season five than to get to season eleven and have everyone wondering, why are we still here? Why when is this train gonna end? I I wanna get off. I've been bored for four or five seasons now. Well, that's like I think, the big red versus blue quote. Why are we here? That's what the first line of the show, Peter. You know, that's what they want you to be thinking. You're walking right into their the palm of their hands. Except their hands are just sweaty with all the money they've been losing and all the talent they've been losing over the years. Yeah. So I feel like this giant bomb announcement and where they're headed could... It, has, again, it just has energy of both of like, why are you trying to keep this thing alive that's so clearly dead and stop before you're ahead before you just become a shadow of your former self. But I'd be love to be proved wrong, really. I just I do uh, really like Dan. The one thing that confuses me with this technically isn't the case with Giant Bomb because I think Jeff Gershman's just like starting his own Patreon and the other guys that yeah, left did the same thing. But I think with Rooster Teeth, this was mainly kind of a thing where people just decided to take other opportunities. And I just can't fathom like being able to make a living in this business, just playing video games, covering video games, whatever you're doing, um, and deciding, like, you know what I want to be? I want to be an employee for a PR agency. 
Because it seems like that, like that seems to be a popular one that people go towards. And I guess if you're going from like, if you're just an IGN writer and you get a PR job, that's probably like an upgrade as far as pay and stuff goes. But some of these bigger companies, I can't fathom making that decision. Obviously, people have different priorities, but I've always found that so weird of like, I I just wanted another challenge. So I, I decided I'm going to go to a corporate work environment. Why? I don't, I mean, I'm higher pay is the only thing I can entertain because if you're not getting higher pay, it just seems like you're picking up a soul sucking job from one where you actually get to be a human being and express yourself and make your own content and be your own, not your own boss, but have more say in your day to day activities. Yeah. But it just makes no sense. I'm thinking like, I'm thinking when Goldfarb left IGN and went to a sucker punch, I imagine that must be some decent job security. Okay. You know, uh, that is a different, that's a different thing. Because there is a big pipeline of like games media to game developer. Um, which I think might make some people mad. I think it makes total sense that that would happen. Although, I'm fine with that. Uh, uh, do we have to worry that they're just trying to suck up to developers that they're supposed to be holding accountable? I, I, don't know, maybe. I hate, I just hate the holding accountable. All right, this developer, put on a game. It's bad. Like I review it poorly. There you go. I promise you guys the pipeline of why people like like almost always leave games me to go to to go to game development is people are getting older. They are trying to start families and like build more lives for themselves, and they just cannot do that on the budget of games media and doing game development, whether that's PR or something else. That is something they can do. Or they're at a point in their career where it's like, oh, I'm tired of doing this. I feel like I've done everything I can do here. But what can my skill set translate to uh, where there is an opportunity for growth in that? And usually, oh, I can go work at a game development studio and make more money. It's like that really it really just boils down to that. Like, I don't think there's anything malicious about it. No, no, I don't. I don't think there's anything malicious about it. Yeah. Um, oh, and what the hell? I, I was just making a joke because some people do think that there is. Exactly. But, I'm, um, fighting, I'm not fighting anyone here. Just he's that, putting you in your place, though, and you don't say um, that again. I don't know. I, I know that it's a, a take out there and there's reason for people to maybe to wonder like, oh, is this bad for media? Like people just trying to give good reviews to get in with developers like no, like that's not what that is at all. Just putting it to rest. I think it very much depends on your positioning in whatever uh, company it would be because like a mid tier IGN person making that move makes sense. Uh, they're not making a lot of money. It's obvious. But I I imagine the heyday of Rooster Teeth, it seems like you probably could have been like almost any position there and you were probably making a decent amount of money. Um, but I, I feel like I'm probably just creating a straw man here. I know that I've seen this happen, but I can't point to specific examples to really to really break it down as to why someone would do that. But I do want to break down more what Peter, you just kind of unlocked this for me because I was thinking the entire time like, Oh, giant bomb at the very least, like give them credit for being aggressive. Like they're bringing in these people that already have their own audiences. So like 
that alone will give them something to float on and it will be different, but they might be able to survive. Isn't that what G4 is doing? It's exactly what G4 is doing. And here's something else that I need to admit that this one makes me sad. I feel like the days of like gaming entertainment groups is over. I don't think there's much of an audience for that anymore. Now the new thing is Twitch streaming. Everyone just wants anyone who wants like entertainment out of gaming mostly watches streamers. The only ones who I still see doing well are ones like Markiplier or Jacksepticeye, the ones who have already been doing this for years and years and years back when it used to be the main and the main entertainment on YouTube, and they've accumulated loyal audiences who will just watch them do whatever. But like, let's say instead of doing podcasts, we were like, we're gonna make a Let's Play channel. We would be stupid for doing oh, that. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no chance of success for it. No. It's not even like no chance of success. Like, oh, it's such an over, like an oversaturated market. I don't think Let's Plays are an oversaturated market. It's a dead market. No one really does them anymore. It's They were popular in like the early to mid-2010s. People started aging out of them, and now everyone watches streamers on Twitch and YouTube. Now it's Nick Merckx. Now it's Tim the Tapman. Now it's Ninja, Dr. Lupo, all those other people. No one wants to watch part 35 of a Let's Play anymore. I would still like doing that. I miss the old model. I like old Rooster Teeth. I like the creatures. I like all these different groups and friends coming together to play games. But that is so clear. Looking at G4 again, that is so clearly not the main entertainment anymore and not even is it like oh it's more of a niche thing but you can still find success in it i don't even think you can i just think it's a bygone era one that i will continue to miss dearly but one that i've accepted is gone and never coming back the main thing that makes me sad about it is that the streaming era makes everything completely disposable yep I don't like it nearly as much. Like I do enjoy watching an occasional Tim the Tatman stream, but it's not the same enjoyment I felt from like watching a let's play in a series of two people who are really into the game and friends with each other, experiencing it for the first time, going through it, having the shared experience, cracking jokes, just being entertaining. Other than some one guy going, "Oh, five dollars to Billy Bob, oh, please take your pants off." No, Billy, I won't do that. Well, thanks for the money. Oh, three dollars from, and then etc. and so on and so on. It's like you're doing this for fifty minutes before you play a game. Holy shit, how is this entertaining? And they just say, "Oh, dude, my favorite food," or "Oh, this 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 quarterback, you better watch out for him this season." And it's just a lot of that talk before people play the game, and it's it's. Maybe this is a bit extreme. Streaming is soulless? Yes or no? I'm going to say no. I like, I like the question. Brain. I like it quite a bit. Um, It just seems like the mask is off, and it just feels like this is my job. I am making money. It just seems... Obviously, there's a lot... There, streaming has its own... Like, I'm, how do I say this? Streaming takes its own different sorts of efforts and techniques and strengths that Let's Plays and old recordings, like old game, like old YouTube gaming channels had. They're different types of things. But I just felt like there was more love and passion and care into Let's Play channels, whereas streaming, you just hit a fucking button. You're just sitting there going, yep, all right, you might as well be clocking into work for the day. Yeah, there is... There's definitely an element of that, and I think it really kind of 
it depends because I've I've enjoyed watching like the Nick Marks and Tim the Tatmans of the of the world, but they their type of streaming is the one that borders more on Solace of like okay, just another day of Warzone. Yep. Um, and they don't even like the game, but they're playing it anyway. And someone who I've talked about before, who I I think Mark doesn't like, maybe you both don't like. I don't know. That I think is a little more inspired, uh, just based on clips I've seen because I don't really watch streams. Is someone like Ludwig? Like I think he puts like work into his streams and tries to keep it interesting throughout the entire stream. Um, but that's based on a very small sample size of what I know. Like the one thing I hate about the games media landscape now is the expectation that you have to specialize in one game. And that's, I think it's mainly because of the streaming area of like, you have to choose Fortnite or you have to choose destiny or you have to choose Warzone, and you're not allowed to play anything else ever again. And we don't care about your opinions on anything else. I think there is still an audience for like variety gaming content and podcasts like this that we do. And I think there's a demand for it because, like, I still listen to them all the time. Like, I, there has to be more people like me out there, I assume. Um, but I really, I like the catchy headline of, is streaming soulless? God, new, a new video essay coming up. I can smell it already. That's, it's an option. I, I'm really slacking on video stuff lately, but. If you make that video and the algorithm actually picks it up, you better be on your best behavior because if you fuck up in that video, people will come for you. They will fight you. They will dox you. Um, you will get your first legitimate death threats. You will. Oh, you will. They'll show you, like, they'll send you pictures of the bullets they're going to put in your head all because you said I, you don't like Ninja. Mm-hmm. You can put it on the fridge, too, um, if you want. I've I've said what my strategy will be. Just give them a good old fashioned fuck you, um, and hope that they don't I'm, actually. I'm kill sure me. the gun. I, I'm <laughs> sure their gun won't fire when you say that to them. Really good idea. Um, I, I do want to weigh in on this because I haven't gotten. Much oh to yes, say. please. I think, I think with the the soulless comment, I don't think it is like. Oh, and you were even saying you don't like how the games media landscape right now is that people need to like specialize in certain games. But when I think of what streamers I watch, it is only streamers who don't do video game content or people who are like our pros in Super Smash Brothers. Like I just want the people who live and breathe that game and can talk about that game to no end. And I imagine that's exactly what's happening with all these other games like Warzone, Fortnite, Valorant. Uh, like in the era of games as a service, I don't think Twitch is necessarily the 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 cause of this. I think maybe it's a little bit hand in hand of some live streaming but also these games of the service, these games that are made that people aren't going to stop playing. And Twitch is just a good platform to keep these players connected, whether it's through the person playing the game who's teaching people how to play it or just like, oh, some, like a bunch of people who will never be that good at, say, like a Destiny or a Valorant uh, and just watching people just destroy and just trying to learn to get better at the game or just talk about the game with other people who maybe feel the same way uh, or watching people do a uh, 
what do you call it? A world first raid encounter, which that's a very cool way to kind of gather in like a destiny community. Like it's, it's just a platform to me in which these uh, people who are playing games, whether the game is, is uh, a great way to uh, interact in real time while things are happening versus where a YouTube can a channel is you are just watching someone's like take on the game and then commenting on it. It is way more uh, involved. Uh, with that being said, I feel like it is chaos to try to get involved in some streamer's chat where there's thousands of people in there. Like, I could never do that, but I do know that people, like, actually skim through, will read you in the chat. Like, if you are in there, if you are a regular in a chat, people may or may not remember you. Like, it's wild to me to think that, but it is it is digestible to some people. I imagine a lot of them, if they're, they're like, really involved in these communities. So I don't know if I want to say it is soulless, but it is definitely... Uh, walls going up, people who just want to live and breathe certain games uh, and just interacting with their communities. You know what is so much easier to get attention instead of trying to frantically write in a Twitch chat? Mm. Emailing a question to bnygamingpod at gmail.com. <laughs> We're willing to give any of you attention. But, uh... Well, <laughs> that maybe that's not true. Like, we're willing to give any of you attention asterisks. Well, okay, yeah, like, it has to be vetted in some way. If you write in going like, here's why white supremacy in gaming is not so bad. We will not read that on the podcast. Um, yes. If anyone has done a survey uh, at a local uh, metropolitan mall of theirs... Asking people whether Josh Allen or Undertale is a more known figure or icon, please let us know. Like we will talk about you on the podcast. We will talk about that. Not white supremacy, though. Um, we can wrap up this topic in a minute. Uh, I had a bunch of different directions we could have taken it, but some of them are a little too big. I think the last question I asked then it is kind of an extension of what you just brought up, Peter, of the group gaming content. Now, okay, so streams are the most popular. I like to think that there there is still like a niche area where the group gaming content could succeed, but what does that look like? Does that look like starting... Uh, uh, say BNY becomes uh, a kind of funny like thing or does it look like people know the BNY gaming podcast they also know the Owen Shannon content and they also know the Peter Gorski content and they also know the Mark Gorski content like does it take that type of branching off in order for it to work because I, I genuinely don't know the answer Owen, why is the MCU so popular? Um, because because there's crossover. Things culminate. If we were to all have our own different entertainment, like our own different channels and things like that, but then we all came together, people would be into that. That would excite them. Do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, this uh, this is actually a very good take. That just seems to be crossover seems to be what excites people more than anything else right now. And I'm not sure 
if Marvel is the one that created that, or they just happened to stumble upon a gold mine and they didn't even know it. I don't know. But that's definitely what has like the pop culture zeitgeist right now and probably will for the next few years still because it doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. I'm trying to think. I I do think that's a great take. And the, I think the only hope of that excitement dying down is that maybe even the thing that tapped into it before Marvel was, I believe it was 2008 in the NBA when LeBron hosted a, a late night TV special to announce that he was leaving Cleveland to go to Miami. Um, that might not be 08. It might be later, but, um, and that began an era in sports of like crossovers, super teams, all the, all the stars want to get traded and they want to play with each other. And that was popular for a while. And that is clearly starting to face a backlash. Now it's not completely over, but people don't like it anymore. Um, but that's also because like that affects competition and that affects people's teams. They like and gambling and it has all this other stuff happening when it comes to just entertainment. I don't know if we'll see a backlash like that. I mean, look at no way home just came out last December and it made a shit zillion dollars at the box office. And people adore that movie. And people declare it the best Marvel movie ever made, even though it's, like, very clearly not. (laughs) And it's so fucking clearly not. But, you know, who cares, right? But don't get me started. But, sure, no, I don't think crossovers being the hit thing in entertainment is going away anytime soon. And that includes gaming content. This is this is interesting stuff to chew on. Mark, do you have any last thoughts on this uh, on this topic? I can't say that I do. I've touched on everything I feel like I have to say. Alrighty. This is kind of like a, a media episode with Peter's topic here because it's a similar media-based topic, but in a different direction. Uh, Didn't we want to do the thoughts on the conferences in the middle? and then nah, it, It'll get like- cut in somewhere. We're just we're talking. And at some point, well, then uh, what if we just say, what if we just say right now, we can even cut this out or we just did. Wow, guys, I can't believe that that's what those shows were. Um, All right, then we can move on. Maybe, maybe the cut will be here. Maybe the cut will be earlier on. Maybe it'll be at the end. It'll, it'll all depend on how I feel. Okay. Man, did I oh, love that <laughs> Xbox conference. Halo Wars 3 and Brutal Legend 2. I can't believe they're doing it. My, my dreams are coming true. Banjo Redoey, baby. I'll be there day one. And I will also be there day one. And I hope I can get a better end to that what game. What if and actually don't finish you it. fucking dare say that, Peter? You cannot. No, I will. Mark, if they make, if they announce a from the ground up Banjo remake, I will play it. Especially if they fix. What the if then I will be nice. We I- saw the true impact of acquisitions in gaming, where Microsoft acquires. Bloodborne in 60 FPS. That would be <laughs> PlayStation fans would come for Phil Spencer family. That they don't they don't get they don't get from software obviously they don't get some like Blue Point project that all they own 
is 60 frames frames per per second second version. (laughs) (laughs) I think that'd be good. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy. Oh, and I'm very happy to hear that you enjoyed Jeff Keighley's show as much as you did. In That's fact, you liked getting it so caught. much. That's getting you caught. you now want him to be the godfather of your future children because you trust him so much. Uh, that will be cut from the episode. All right, Peter, tee up your topic. My topic stems from the Street Fighter Six leaks that occurred. Last Thursday, after the announcement of the title, and I was going on Twitter, and I was starting to see this, you know, uh, yeah, Twitter, whatever people do, argue needlessly about topic after topic, and a take I saw going around a lot was, I'm sick of leak culture, it's ruining all the fun and game announcements, why do we have to keep doing this, don't people understand it, it's killing all of our excitement, and then Jeff Grubb put out a tweet that basically told people to, like, kick rocks. Since he's like the leaker and clearly does not regret it or plan on stopping anytime soon. Some on one side of the argument, I've been hearing people say, oh, I'm so less excited for conferences and game announcements because I already hear what's going on. Who's made like, I already know what games are being worked on, who's working on them when they roughly plan to release it, gameplay features, or you have other people say, who cares? I'd rather just know what it's being worked on than being fed these commercials for these products. I would rather just know what products I'm going to buy way ahead of time. I don't need all of this theater to be sold a product. So let's just stop with this secrecy that this that the games industry has had since its inception and just announce what you are working on years and years out because that's what like TV studios and movie studios do. Artists even put out like individual songs before they release the full album. They don't really try to hide anything, I don't think. It's just like every other entertainment industry is very open. Why can't gaming also be open? So I guess the headline of my target is of my topic, not target. The headline of my topic is can the games industry outgrow its secrecy? Oh, and I want to start with you. I'm of two minds with this. Uh, the idea of knowing everything early on, I think, is is kind of like a more mature one. Where I've I've even had the take before of like maybe we shouldn't get so excited for the E3 type events because they are just commercials, pretty much. Um. But at the same time, it's like, I know that I've been excited about it in the past, so I can't be, like, totally hypocritical. And it's exciting when you get a big pop. Like, one one of the leaks right now that people are mad about is a potential Hideo Kojima game leaked. And that's one where it's like, man, I... I would have liked to not know anything and got something completely new. But at the same time, does it matter? You look at other industries this year, uh, the director Damien Chazelle directed Whiplash and La La Land and First Man. He has a new movie coming out. Uh, I I knew at one point what it was called and what it was about. I don't remember at the top of, off the top of my head, but... I could easily find that information. That doesn't change anything. I'm going to see that movie. I really like the movies he makes. And the same goes for games and specifically someone like Kojima. It's like, doesn't matter. I'm going to be interested no matter what, whether I hear about it in a leak or, or not. But 
at the same time, I I do have empathy for the thoughts of like, oh well, teams are working hard for on these reveals, and then someone just like fucks it all up in a tweet. It does kind of suck a little bit, um, especially since this isn't like hard hitting news, really. It's just like information that it looks cool if you're the one that got to reveal it. So I think I, I I could be swayed through conversation here, but I'm starting out this conversation team. Let's keep it a little more secret. Mark, what about you? I am also on team. Let's keep it a little bit secret Peter. Uh, I think, like Owen said, we've been said in plenty of episodes before when talking about hype around games, that that secrecy makes it a lot more fun. And stealing the thunder from the developers and when they get to talk about it on their own terms uh, is kind of a bummer. I do think there is a problem with secrecy in games. Like, that is... Uh, I, I, I think it's okay-ish to talk about your game early-ish, but I don't know some games take so long to make that maybe it's just not in the best interest. Like there is a reason to keep it secrecy or keep it secret. Like, like look at the 2010s of square Enix where they announced kingdom hearts three and final fantasy 15. They don't come out for what feels like the entirety of a console generation. Like nobody wants to be waiting on the edge of their seat. And I'm going to be doing that again with kingdom hearts four. They just announced it. And I was like, yeah, we just didn't, we just announced this because we didn't want it to leak further. That's literally the only reason they talked about it right now. Uh, and that, that sucks that that's what, those are the terms that they had to announce that on. Cause I would have, I would have really liked for them to announce that way later, because now I'm just going to be like, Oh, kingdom hearts four is on the radar. Instead of just it being in the back of my mind, like, Oh, we'll see kingdom hearts four when we get there. Now I have this trailer in my mind. Uh, of an idea of what it is going to be, maybe, and I don't know. But why is that a bad thing? I this is the part where, because I'm I'm starting the Aeron team. Let's just tell everyone everything. Mm-hmm. I when we were younger, I loved the big E three is, but E three is now dead, and even conferences that are similar to it aren't really like what it, what they used to be. I feel like they're losing a lot more of the gravitas and just becoming more straight up commercials. If you want to present your games to me the way Sony did in 2016 with the live orchestra and really elevate the experience of these commercials, then I will gladly, you know, I will stay in the dark. But now we're just getting more digital presentations all the time. It's just, here's a game, 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 which is technically better than talking to a developer for nine minutes. They try to be funny. It's really fucking not funny. And then move on to the next game where the developer does a needlessly long deep dive into the game. I don't want more of that. If that's all we're getting, just tell me what you're making. I don't, I don't care about secrets. I'm sorry. I keep bringing, I bring them up all the time in the podcasts, but it's another example for me. Marvel will do things where whenever they're, whenever they come to an end of a phase, they have a big press conference and it's like, all right, here's the next six, like four or five years of what we're doing. Here it is. And I, I am genuinely excited for Mahershala Ali's Blade film. I can't wait for it. It was announced in 2019, probably not going to come out till 
2024. And I'm not any less excited because I've known about it for five years. I'm happy to know that it exists. I'm happy to know that they're working on it. I'm happy to know that it's in the plan. They care about it enough and that it is a focus of what Marvel is working on. Okay. Let me counter if that, it, Peter. Unless okay. you have more to say. Well, I'm saying, like, if this Friday Xbox is like, all right, look, we're not going to promise you any release. To, like, all right. No, yeah, because it's a lot. It's a lot harder to make a game. Real quick, harder to make a video game or a movie? Yes or no? Or not? Not yes or no? Which is which? Which is harder to make? Oh, uh, game. I think I'm pretty sure Mark. game. I'm pretty sure. Derek, I'm absolutely confident the answer is a game as well. I'm also yeah. absolutely confident the answer is a game. I thought I could get Owen saying movie, movie, no, no, and then because he I like, I assume. There, there is a case to make it closer than expected with some of like the back end corporate stuff and how many different agencies a film goes through before it actually like sees the light of day. But just the act of making a, like the simplest movie versus the simplest game, a game is harder. But like, let's say this Sunday Xbox is like, all right, each of our studios are gonna come to the stage and they're going to tell you what they're working on. We're not going to tell you when it, like we cannot give you a specific date, but here just just so you know, this is where every Xbox Game Studios developer is currently at. This is what they're working on. We'll get back to you when there's more. I think that'd be awesome. I would love having this one massive Xbox event where each studio comes to the table like here's what we're working on. This is what we want to do. And you'll hear from us when you hear from us. I don't see how that's bad. I don't see an issue. I love that. I love when Marvel just puts out their entire slate and says, don't expect anything else in the next five or six years. This is what we're working on. You'll see it when you see it. All right, goodbye. I, okay, I'm I'm starting to go a little more towards the, towards the non-secret route because I do... I kind of do like that Marvel approach and you know what? I kind of wish that we just knew like we had a logo or something for what the next Kojima game was because there have been so many freaking rumors. It's more annoying than anything there. There's the new one that just leaked. There's death stranding two rumored, there, there was that whole blue box drama with abandoned. Oh my god! Um, I feel, I feel like a lot Xbox of people deal. who say, yeah, I feel like a lot of people who say they like these the room, they don't like the leaks. Are content creators whose entire job depends on talking about rumors most times of the year when no other news is actually happening? I know that sounds harsh. I just. But why else do we need this? Why else? I we I feel like with the Marvel approach, you still you get the best of both worlds because you get to have that announcement. Like when Blade is announced, no one knew they were working on that. Mahershala Ali comes out at the end of a Comic Con panel when he's called on by Kevin Feige. He pulls out a Blade hat. Oh my God, we're working on Blade! Holy shit! And then they don't really have any other announcements for like five or six years. But every 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 like half a decade or so, you get that one massive event, all blowout. You learn everything, and then you just learn about the properties they're making as you go from there. I feel like that's the best case scenario. I don't have a problem with that. 
I oh, Peter, let me let me counter you real quick. Give me okay. let me throw in that counter to the MCU. So Blade. 2024, you said, right? That's when it's coming out? Yes, it was announced in 2019, coming out in 2024. It starts filming next month. How many other Marvel movies were announced with dates and TV shows, I should also mention, between then and 2019? Between now and 2019? The Phase 4. How many were in the... How many of the Phase 4 lineup launched? All of it. Yeah, all of it. Every single thing. There's so much more content. It's not just the Blade announcement, but everything is building up to it. It's all connected. But, like, say, Metroid Prime 4, that gets announced in 2017. There's no bits of Metroid. We got Dread, but that's totally different here. And at the time, especially, no one thought that was going to happen. Uh, these Metroid Dread fans, even the Bayonetta 3 fans, we'll put them in this category, too. They're just waiting. They don't fucking know what's going to hey, happen. Hey, Bayonetta 3 a- got a gameplay trailer last year. It did. It got one earlier this year, I think. I could be wrong. But Bayonetta 3, I feel like more confident in. But like at the same time, it disappeared for almost five years. The same with Prime 4. And I think that really kind of sucks. So like to announce something and then have nothing to show for it for just years. And you wonder, is this thing just going to die? Is it going to be canceled? See, that my thing, sense. why that doesn't bother me at all with Metroid is they didn't give a date. Or if they did originally, you don't have one now. I see, to me, that's fine. I don't mind. If you announce something and we say, we don't know when it's coming out, but it is going to come out. It is going to be something that exists. You will either, you will play it, you will watch no. it, you will listen to it. No. it. What? If you announce something, it's coming out. It's going to come out. You don't announce That's what I just like, said. Like, if with or without a date. Like that doesn't matter. Like it's like you announce something, even if it doesn't have a date. Like now, nah, I'm if I'm telling you this thing exists. Oh, and did I not just him. say that? He's saying exactly I, what I, I said. I believe Peter just said that exact thing. Mark, I just said that. I literally just said that. Then what are you? What point are you trying to make here? I'm saying if you announce something, then to me, I believe that it is going to come but out. It's going Peter to is exist. saying that that knowledge is valuable. Yes. I said that. I, I what the main point I was saying is, if you don't have an exact date right out the bat, then that's fine. If you're announcing this to me, if it will be a game, a movie, a show, whatsoever, the fact that you're announcing it tells me you are confident that it will release at some point. That's enough for me. For like maybe not me like ten years ago, but the man I am to this day right now, I'm okay with that. I'm I'm totally fine with the fact they announced Metroid Prime Four. And didn't give a date. But I don't have an issue with the, that. Here's the problem with games and jumping the gun that early. Is that really there is no expectation that it will ever come out. Because are we positive Metroid Prime 4 is ever coming out? I'm not. I um, I am. I am, be- have, I am because they switched developers. We also have countless examples of games being announced. And games even getting trailers that never even see the light of day. That's but then that's where I would go next, and that's the way the games industry has been, and that's where I think the games industry needs to evolve. Is do not announce something unless you know you have a concrete foundation. You are working on this. 
This is going to be made. Marvel's different in it's their fucking Marvel Studios. If they announce a film, actors start leaping themselves at it to, for the sake of making their careers take off. Whereas game studios, I feel like they have to earn it more. So with them announcing games, they have to be more confident in the fact that it's going to see the light of day. So that's why I would like for the studios and publishers to start shaping development around, okay, we're not announcing something until like we are past the point of concept art. We are past the point of creating the world. Like we are money has been invested. This is going to release. I don't like the, I don't want the days anymore of CGI trailers. There's not a shred. Like there's no physical evidence that this game actually exists. I... All that exists is the CGI trailer. Like, kind of the opposite end of all of this is, personally, I hope that Everwild never, never sees the light of day. I hope we completely forget that that game was ever talked about. Yeah, see, that's... I want to see that game. I'm curious what it is. I can't believe they announced that game and they didn't even know what the gameplay was going to be. They're... What the fuck are you doing? This is an outsider's assumption. Because I have not been in any of these game studios and I've never worked in games. But I'm going to make an educated guess that I think that there is a general production problem in games studios where they either don't pre-plan thoroughly enough or they don't have the producers to keep everyone on schedule well enough and like actually have accurate timelines for their things that it allows these studios to become scatterbrained and completely lose the thread of what they're doing. And I think this this is almost certainly an issue at smaller studios, but I mean, it might be an issue at damn near every Xbox studio. Like I think uh, if you went inside insomniac, I think the difference between them and any other studio would probably be that they have their shit locked down. Like they know exactly what they're going to be doing on every single day and how much time they have to get certain things done. And they, they probably have that all blocked out and that's why they're efficient and able to get their projects done. I just don't think that that is the industry standard yet. I hope one day it is. Um, And that presents so much more risk when it comes to jumping the gun and nailing down like this is getting work done. We literally can't show you anything, but we swear to you that we have a plan for it. There's a lot of risk involved there, and I'm not sure how long it will take for that to become a less risky thing to do in gaming. I think with Everwild specifically, they announced this game. Um, they say, okay, we know we want this to be like a social world experience kind of thing. And in the vein of Sea of Thieves, it's like, okay, that's what Rareware wants to be at this point in time. They don't know what that game is. They don't want to show any like ideas. They, they probably have some ideas floating around in pre-production at this point in time, but they don't want to show anything because none of that stuff can be finalized. Some of those mechanics they currently have that they're toying with just might not be fun at later on once they come up with better ideas, but more stuff that they believe in. And then 
they have to deal with fan outrage of something showing up in a trailer at some point. It's no longer in the game anymore. They were misinformed. This is false advertising. So it's like, okay, we can't show anything right now uh, because this game, we are still trying to figure out its core identity and we can't show even the slightest thing that we're playing in or playing around with because it is all just too tentative. Uh, and that's a lot of what the, the what do you call it? The pre-production experience is is experimenting throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks especially for a new ip specifically that that can go on for so long uh and not a lot of studios can really kind of afford to fund something that's so grand on that level so they just have to ship something whether that's a bad thing a bad game that even the, the team doesn't believe in we could look at like a Balan wonder world for example like that game just wasn't ready that game isn't what they wanted it to be uh versus say sea of thieves it was like okay they had something finally but like that game had to ship and it was so bare bones at the time uh and we're gonna we're, we're going back to the wall zero days since it has been said everybody video games are hard to make because of this unfortunately i just uh, i don't see how uh i don't think you should be allowed to announce a game unless you have a a working like prototype of a vertical slice of what you want the game to be like i'm all for that that puzzling phase in the beginning of figuring out like throwing shit at the wall but you cannot be in the throwing shit at the wall phase and announce because i think that is a recipe for disaster that is a very i agree with Owen completely I think it's a very scary place to be, and I'm not a big fan of trailers and they just so uh, show CG trailers and there's no gameplay. I, I'm one of the first people in the room of seeing this trailer at any presentation to roll my eyes and be like, oh, cool, I don't know what that game is. And people can tell me all day long, like, that game looks cool. I'm like, I don't know what that game looks like still. I, I like really anyone who says, I can't believe Redfall's not coming out this year. I was so excited for that game. What were you excited for? What I, did I hear, you see that made you go like, I need to play that game? We haven't seen it. You know? Like I, I don't understand I don't understand people who just are willing to bet all their high I'm only okay with a CGI trailer if it announces like a long dormant franchise or a sequel to a game that's gameplay we already know of because we've played the previous installment. Or if you are announcing a your someone with the clout of say like a Hideo Kojima or a Ken Levine that's also fair but if you're announcing like again Redfall it's a prime example if you're announcing a brand new IP via a CGI trailer don't just don't I'd like I what a unless there is gameplay immediately after because if there isn't why should I care you're not showing me a game I, I would I despise that Mark, you go. Uh, to be fair, it's Arcane who is making this. Like, I trust that it won't. Like, I trust that it'll be something cool and interesting. Because but they've they, never made a multiplayer game before. They haven't. I don't believe they I have mean, Deathloop. Deathloop technically multiplayer in a sense. But this is like, but, but that's just a feature is, of a game that you don't need to do. That this appears to be a mainly multiplayer centric game. But at any point in time when you're playing the game, uh, multiplayer is has to be taken into consideration every every second of that game uh is designed around the possibility that you are playing with another person if sony santa monica announces their next game via cgi trailer and it's a first person shooter i will feel nothing 
because you've never made that sort you've never made that sort of game before, even dabbled in it. I have no reason to just assume you're going to make a great first person shooter. Why are you choosing to announce this game this way? But enough with Gorilla, the CGI trailers. When Gorilla announces Horizon Zero Dawn, it's different though. And they go from first-person shooter to... They started with a gameplay trailer. That's fair. That is fair. I think... That's the entire point, Mark. I think there is only one way to make the CGI trailer work in this instance, and it's something that is never done. I... Well, first of all, no matter what, the Redfall CGI trailer is just way too fucking long, and it never should have been that long. But say, like, someone from Arcane comes out, and it's like... Uh, we want to give you a look at our new game, Redfall. It is a... We still don't technically know these details about this, but I'm just going to guess. Like, It is up to four people co-op, horde shooter, where you are this role going against these enemies, and your goal as a player is to do this thing, and you can experience that with your friends. We don't have gameplay to show you, but here's a look at the world. And then you show a short little CGI thing, and it's like, oh, okay. I feel like I have an understanding of what that game could end up being. Whereas the Redfall CGI trailer, literally nothing. I don't know what that game is. I'm I'm guessing, and I still don't think we have any idea what the game is. Um, There's not enough, like, I know they always say show, don't tell. Sometimes in games i i want it to be converted to like if if you think that the cgi trailer is showing then i'm gonna need you to tell me because it's not showing um i would much prefer to be told like oh this is the genre this this is what the gameplay is mostly going to be and this is what you're going to be doing as the player even if you can't show it to me i want them to tell me that is that fair I think it's very fair. There's a creator on TikTok. He professionally does game trailers for studios. And all he does on TikTok is talk about how he makes game trailers, what he thinks is good and bad about them, and how most trailers are actually bad trailers for games. And it's because they aren't showing you what you do in the game. If you can't can't, uh, picture what you do in the game after watching a trailer, it is a bad game trailer in his philosophy. I agree completely. And I, I mostly agree with that. Uh, I think some cinematic trailers are like, if you showed me a cinematic trailer for a Halo to announce the next game, do I know what the Halo is going to be? Not exactly, but you could suggest it. Because Halo, uh, like with a narrative, I say narrative game, but none of us are like dying for the Halo narrative here. No, uh, no. In fact, it, I never, I don't get it ever again it's about the case the that Peter has been making of like, Halo has legacy. We know what Halo is. We don't need to be yeah. shown what Halo is like right off the bat because we can assume it's going to be Halo, but it's going to be new. Yeah, I feel similarly with Metroid Prime 4. They just have to announce that. I'd be super curious to see how different that is uh, in 2020 standards because the last Prime game was, I think, 2008. Um, but I, I trust that that will just be fine. Like that's that's was that's it even that thing. late? I think it was. I want to confirm this. Metroid Prime 3. 07. I'm actually surprised. Okay, close. Um, when did Third. Other M come out? That's 2009 or 2000... 2009, 10, or 11. One of those three. 2010. 
Okay. Interesting. Um, and then Metroid disappeared after that for a long time. A very long time. Um, I thought I had another point to make on this topic, but I'm losing it. Does anyone else have anything else? Uh, I think I've I've said the bulk of it. I I'm not so anti leaks like you know certain people are, but I'm also not like okay. I, I would say I probably more lean towards we can start easing off on the deep secrecy now. I'm fine with having these one like these couple events every few years. It's just here's what we're working on. Here's our slate. Here's what every dev under our branches, you know, currently, you know, has their heads in. And then you, the next few showcases over the years will be seeing more and learning more about what we've announced and where we're at with these games. Do you? But I'm also. Oh, sorry. Um, I would say because Jeff Grubb is like, he's all he's pro league. He doesn't care. He'll leak whatever he's got, considers it his job and all that stuff. And he kind of mocks the idea of people who want stuff to stay hidden. I'm not there. I can't say I'm there. Okay, so I have I have two more points to make, and one of them is a bigger conversation. Uh, this is going to be the joke one, though, so prepare your applause. I'm ready to fucking find my ass after I laugh it off. Do you think we should start normalizing as an industry, hosting like an hour-long live stream unveiling your new company logo? You're no. mean to them, <laughs> and they no, already I'm have enough not. going on. It's a neat logo. It's a very well made I, logo. I never actually looked at it, but I just uh we're talking about Sony Bend, the hosted uh live stream. Uh they're not called Sony Bend anymore. They rebranded. Bend Studio, is that them? Yes. Okay, it's Bend now Bend Studio. Studio logo. So yeah, when they get stuff off by Sony, it won't be confusing anymore with the whole Sony Bend thing. Um I oh okay. Yeah, sure. Get it? It's it's the, it's the mountains. Yeah, it's the mountains of Oregon. Yeah, no, I got it. But um, I'm just making fun of this because there's like a Nibel tweet about like they're hosting a live stream tomorrow to unveil the logo. I just thought that's stupid. Like you can just tweet out the logo. That's fine. They yeah. ended up. Um, well, they ended up talking about their whole like history as a studio. They also briefly hinted at what they're working on next. And I actually think that that's cool. But I got a good laugh today on uh some kind of funny podcast i listened to because a blessing and kind of funny said like oh yeah i watched that stream it took them like a half hour to show what the logo was <laughs> it's like they really milked it for everything they could uh, i i find it very humorous um but i have a bigger question and that is the opposite approach. The being way too open, the Dead Space remake approach of they are just, I mean, they might as well be showing you live streams of them like in the game engine, like making the assets. They're going that deep on it. And I listened to one podcast that took a listener question because I haven't been as in touch with those types of streams, but the question basically asked the podcast, like are gamers just too immature because every like commenter on all of these things is like, game looks like crap. Oh, where's the middle ground here? I would love to normalize 
companies being this open and actually opening the doors to show us what it is like to develop a game. But it just kind of feels like the the loudest people that are going to be consuming that content are are not going to be kind to it because they can't imagine a game not being in a finished state like that. Raising Kratos is a documentary I will continue to recommend to everyone because it is a it is a doc that goes into not only the development of video games, but basically the most important game ever made by one of the most important studios under one of the big three publishers of the industry. It is it does not pull its punches, it does not hold itself back. You see the sort of mental and physical turmoil that happens to these people who worked on God of War 2018 and how it even ruined some of their marriages. I think that sort of look into a game is what you need to see more. Not these six-minute developer clips in the middle of an hour and 15-minute press conference where all the fans know are already pressed for time and each minute spent on showing a brief frame of an animation being worked on while the guy's like, Oh, you know, I really like the work culture here. You know, we get a free lunch sometimes. And, you know, the game's really shaping up to be our best one yet. Don't do that. You're wasting everyone's time. No one's going to remember it. They're just going to mock it or forget it. If you are going to show it, be honest. Be raw. Show the real experience. How it's not all sunshines and happy, like, you know, and smiles and rainbows. That is, is a, if you are committed to this, if you want to get into this world it can it can physically hurt you. It can drain you. It might not. It's not for everyone. But if you make it and you actually develop the game, then you can get satisfaction from it. Then all that pain, all that's worth it. You get to the end of that doc, people are fucking crying. They're bawling their eyes out. And it's just you see how important it is to these people. And you see how much of themselves they have to put into developing these games that these bratty teenagers go, 6 out of 10, why would anyone play it? So I would say if you watch if the if you want these people to act more mature, we have to make more content to teach them what it's actually like behind the scenes instead of them just seeing a trailer on the IG on Twitter and E3 where we see a brief gameplay glimpse and then we get a release date and then we go from there. I agree with that. Mark, I mean I, th- I think that is a good approach and I would I would uh, reiterate a very similar sentiment but I think it's hard to train, say, like kids and teenagers that mentality. Like, think back to a point in time where, like, the idea of like getting younger people into politics is just unheard of because politics is just so boring. And I feel like that stigma isn't necessarily there. It's not that like politics is boring. It's just like or boring. It's just like, hey, this is actually just really important, and we are on thin ice for a lot of reasons right now. So you should pay attention. Uh, but with games, it's like now this is just uh, to a lot of people fun. Uh, entertainment like it's they're not here to really think about the people who are making it they're just thinking like oh this is something I want to spend my money on and like put X amount of hours into it sees it looks like crap I don't think this looks good for whatever reason like I don't think there's no reason to like not a real reason that these people who are commenting feel they need to like hold themselves accountable like maybe the reason would be just like be a decent person like there's like there's a lot of shit going on uh, with how these games are made, that just the dismissal of this maybe means more than they realize. I don't know how you just get people to suddenly realize that. Maybe you just keep putting it in people's faces. I feel like, especially in a post-Activision Blizzard controversy world, I feel like a lot of people are on that page, but still 
the fanboys will hold on to what they like to do, and that is just shit talking other games. I don't know, but even at the same time, we all like a little bit of trash talking here. Yeah, like that's just that's just universal. Like we all like to do that. Is a comment section always the best play for place for? It? I don't know, but sometimes I will laugh at a at a bad trash talk in a comment section. Um, Not that it should be there. I don't want to defend it, but just like. I don't know. I feel like some people don't mean too much when they comment that, and some people just aren't to be taken so seriously. I would definitely, to reiterate, I would I would like the world where it's opened up more, and I can't fully credit this quote because I think I heard it secondhand from a podcast, and I want to say that it was like one of the Housers from Rockstar who said it. I think it kind of encapsulates why everything is still so secret especially on the corporate end and the developer end. And the quote was basically just like, yeah, we don't want to show you any of the process because we want you to think that like this was genuinely made by wizards. Like this was made by magic. And it sounds kind of silly, but at the same time, I kind of understand why some of like the, like founding fathers of the industry practically would have that mentality of like, we have the opportunity to keep this pure in the minds of everyone. And we're just going to do that. But little did they know that Kotaku would break it all open and talk about every single studio culture out there. And now, now all we know is the bad things. I would at least, if we're going to know the bad things, I would at least like to know some of like the X's and the O's behind the scenes of like how it's actually getting done. Can we agree on that? I think so. I think it's fine. It's a good thing. I mean, Insomniac talked about how Ratchet and Clank was made without crunch last year. Like, that's cool. That's a good side of this, right? Yeah. All right. But with that being said, they could have made a better game. I don't know. <laughs> Eat shit. Um... Let's do what we've been playing quick, and then we'll get out of here with this portion of the podcast. Uh, I'm going to go first. I played about an hour and 12 minutes of video games because uh, I was away over the weekend. Didn't have much time at the end of last week and haven't had much time at the beginning of this week. I played about an hour of Control. I can't talk about it. And I played about 12 minutes of Rocket League before getting on this episode. I will go next. I have played Control, and I can't talk about it, and that's all I have played this week. So, Mark, go ahead. I've played all of Control in its entirety in the past week. I can't say anymore. But I've also finished my replay of Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Wow. Snuck in most of the game. Yeah. I got it all in because the game comes out in a little over a month. The Xenoblade 3, that is. So I got to be ready for it on my replay. And I'm in a weird place. Uh, where I think I really like Xenoblade Chronicles too, but I still, all the bad things I've ever said about it are still very true. Uh, but it's just a very melodramatic JRPG at the end of the day that is a sequel to one of my favorite games of all time that's going to build into what is this really cool third game, probably knock on wood, it's going to be great next month. And no guess what it is, about. Owen? It's a crossover. Mm. well it's well, maybe it's weird to call it a crossover when it's like the third installment of a series it's like but you had these two independent stories that are now coming together well, at the end of the second one like they kind of tell you like these things this is happening 
these worlds were always connected. And but we didn't know that before. It's, uh, it's, a, did, it's a cross. Mark, it's a crossover. It's a crossover. I don't know. I think it it's is. just the next step in the series. And Mark, guess who else? Hey, Captain America and Iron Man are also in the same universe. It's the crossover. Okay, well, it's not like Timmy Turner coming to Jimmy Neutron's universe. Oh, crossover. those were always like, so that's... cool. They yeah, but then I went back and watched one recently, and it's like, I love whenever they're in the Fairly Odd Parents world, when the fucking Fairly Odd Parents come into the Jimmy Neutron world, they look <laughs> awful. They're not even like, oh, this is good. Like, no, they look bad, and it's creepy, and I don't like it. That's a sign that crossovers, people always have liked crossovers, and then just big corporations are finally just capitalizing on it, like, to a huge degree. Like, it was always cool. Smash Bros. was cool in the 90s. It was these these things happen and this is not a crossover this is just uh the conclusion of a trilogy is what i want to call it and uh, it's going to be cool peter i want you to play xenoblade 2 but you never will no nope. i'm going to say it again every time i talk about xenoblade 2 i'm going to say peter play xenoblade 2 never will uh maybe you should i think the only thing i'd want to talk about uh to really finish off what i have to say about xenoblade 2 is that i played it differently this time uh, first time I played Xenoblade Chronicles 2, it was at launch, uh, but since then they released a prequel DLC, and this time I thought, okay, what if I, in this replay, I play the prequel first, and then the main game, because I think a lot of the strongest parts of this game, are like, because there's a lot of characters, it's a JRPG juggling, large cast, a lot of different countries it's juggling around, uh, and a lot of the characters that the prequel focuses on are like, some of the best characters in this series were like the parts of this game where I would recommend is like some of these characters and their stories and playing through the game with under this lens with their story at the, the front end. And then you go to the main game where the main character I really don't like, and I think he's really weak. Uh, I think the story is so much stronger this way. I don't know if I could recommend it to new players because like there's some giveaways of like late plot details in uh, that prequel. But like, I think I think this is the best way to play Xenoblade 2 if you look at the story like it, and under this lens and I, I, I love that I can say I appreciate this game more for when I, I felt like Xenoblade 2 after I had finished it even though there were some really cool moments some like big nods to fans of the series uh, I felt like oh th like the identity of Xenoblade is in jeopardy if this is what we're going to be like I love the first one the second one is just not the first one and now replaying 2 and looking at three, uh, I like it more because a Xenoblade three doesn't look like it's just like doubling down on everything the second one did, and uh, just getting to appreciate all some parts of the second one that I couldn't before because this DLC expansion was there. And on top of it all, I realized I, there was one chapter in the game I fell asleep during, and it was very important, so I missed a lot in my first playthrough. But besides that, uh, Xenoblade two. Hey, you didn't like fun game. You didn't like look it up. I just figured I wasn't asleep in the long run, so that's just on me. Oh. But it turns out I was asleep. Like, I just thought I was not asleep for anything important in that chapter. It turns out, pivotal chapter where a, a whole country that's relevant for the rest of the game is introduced at chapter six. A whole like, country? Okay. Yes, a whole country. Wow. So, like... In Xenoblade 2, it's like there's this cloud sea and there's these titans that run across it. And on every titan is a country, basically. You go to a new titan. And it's like, oh, this is like the most important country, actually, in the whole game right now. But we don't know about them until Chapter 6. If you play the prequel, you know it exists. But, you know, that didn't exist till a year later. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah. I don't know. A lot of messiness. Yeah. It's a JRPG at the end of the day. And I think it's a good JRPG. 
uh, with a lot of bad parts in it. But it's, and as, as a part of its holes, I think there is more good in Xenoblade 2 than there is bad. With if you have all the DLC, have you? Which is like a, a, have you even played Xenoblade One multiple times? I have. I played. Because they did the definitive edition remake, and I played through that. So I've played Xenoblade One twice, and I've played Xenoblade Two twice now. So I'm I'm very ready for when Xenoblade Three comes out. All right, and Peter won't be. Peter, nope. who's for Xenoblade Chronicles One, is one of his favorite games of all time, is not yep. ready for Xenoblade Three, a game that is going to heavily call back to the first game. I'm not. He's not. He's a you fake can fan. Go oh, back oh, and I'm going to listen to an episode where we asked peter over and over again uh what it would take i don't remember the name of that episode but it wasn't too far back i want you to know owen the other night i revoked peter's rights to play jrpgs he he i told him he can't play persona 5 now i told him he can't play rpgs i especially had to after cry myself to sleep that night owen trust no. me in his post dragon age origins world and especially after all the xenoblade stuff that we've gone over over and over uh he just can't i think it would be really nice if you could be on my side and also refocus. No, right now. no, no, because that made me so angry when he said at the age of 25 that he's already played the last JRPG he'll ever play in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't wait until you him. say something hyperbolic and I fucking kill you. What? I my hyperbole my hyperbole is something like a wow like I think this game is important something like that that that's just getting caught up in hype how you, tame and oh my you've, god that's such a cleaned up version of the whole hyperbolic shit you say and and my other form of hyperbole is just like thinking Jeff Keighley is bad um but you declared at the age of twenty five that JRPGs are just done. Never again. And not for a long. Th- oh my god! I think it's RPGs whole. It can't just be JRPGs. It's all RPGs. No, no. I'd much rather play. I probably much should have played like a Fallout than a Persona Five. I don't think you should play it because you're gonna play. You'd play through a Fallout game and you would just use the gun. You wouldn't go through the menus. You would only use the gun. Mark, have you played Fallout? Yeah, I played Fallout Four. What else is there other than guns? There's a bunch of skill trees in the game and a bunch of abilities in the game. Owen, I mean, not Owen. Mark, I fill out skill trees. I filled out skill trees in Dragon Age! But you didn't use the skills. All right. There there are plenty of other episodes of this podcast to legislate this. And I don't uh, want to talk about this again. We have to add reactions onto this, and we're already going almost two hours so maybe a three hour plus episode who knows um but this is technically the official outro of uh bny episode 64 and we'll see you all next week i believe in you jeff don't let me down all right future peter what did you think of that conference oh peter i think it's going to get spliced in before this so you're not thinking of the future uh goodbye everybody goodbye If it is...